Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good morning. Welcome to your Friday. It's our Friday as well. I probably need to hop in the uh, stream here. That'd probably be nice. We're just going to do the production of the show live on air while I figure my life out here. Uh, uh, There's no Nebraska football, so I feel okay opening the show with this. Um, last we Uh-oh. we started uh, we started off air talking a lot of fruit talk this morning. So as you know, Andrew and I usually both drink a energy drink before mm-hmm. the show or as the show is getting started. Hey, I'm in the stream now, Shano. Uh, <laughs> and so You're this morning, some form of sparkling, uh, syrupy, yeah, um, ener. Energetic juice yes. in the morning. And, and you, you've, you've got a variety pack, and so mm-hmm. you end up you come in with a different flavor most mornings. And this morning, the, uh, the flavor was kiwi guava. That is correct. And you asked no free plugs. You asked me if because if, you, you poured into your cup, because we had some, some color issues earlier this week. <laughs> Arctic like blue apparently is yellow, and it's like the only time it's yellow in the Arctic is when somebody pees in the snow, and I'm <laughs> not trying to drink that. And uh, if we learned anything from Elf, do don't not eat, eat yellow, yellow snow. snow. Um, I just watched that, I think, the day after Thanksgiving because we were kicking off Christmas season. So I love that movie. I do, too. I know some people don't. Well, those people are dumb. I, don't, I think so, too. I don't know what to tell you. Like, if you can't enjoy Elf on some level, I don't know what to tell you. I'm with you. Uh, I'm but, with yeah, you. so I was like, yeah, Arctic and yellow don't really mix for me. So you ask me, hey, is that what color you would expect kiwi guava to be? And I was like, man, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't. I couldn't pick a guava out of a lineup. I don't think I've ever seen a guava. You got a gun to your head. I've heard. Yeah, I'd be kidnapped. And they're like, all right, Ravi, we'll let you go. But you have to tell us which (laughs) one of these three fruits are a guava. I might be able to figure it out just by context clues. But if you just set one in front of me and said, what is this? I'm guessing probably either like guava, guava or like kumquat, because those are the ones I've never seen before. Come what? Kumquat. It's a fruit or a vegetable or something. Um, It is something that grows on trees, I believe. Or no, in the ground, apples. <laughs> or in the, it comes from nature. A lot of things do. Uh, 
And so, uh, and then we were talking. I don't know how we got onto pears, but I was like, yeah, I had I had an Asian pear this morning. Well, I said, uh, all right, Ravi, tell me the difference. Is this a pear or a guava? And you're like, no, I like pears. I, I do would, like I would pears. I know what that is. I do like pears. And uh, I like Asian pears because they're kind of like a mix between a pear and an mm-hmm. apple. So mm-hmm. we're talking a lot about fruit this morning. Sure. Um, and... That's all. That I don't have any transition to that, so we're going to move on. <laughs> I just wanted to share that with the people uh, and let them know what it was, was fresh on the mind, like yeah, our fruit. What was going <laughs> exactly incredible? You know what else is fresh on my mind? Now that's a transition. Is <laughs> but if you call it out, it makes it bad. Shoot, <laughs> I didn't go to TV school, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> now that's a bad transition. <laughs> the uh, the other one of the other things that's been fresh on my it actually broke late in. Uh, the kind of late in our show yesterday um, was Sports Illustrated, mm. which is perhaps a fruit gone bad at this point. <laughs> the, they named Dion Sanders their sports person of the year. They did. Now, just as a reminder, if you didn't watch the last nine weeks of college football, um, Colorado didn't end up being good. They started 3-0. and and then proceeded. Then AI wrote the story to, to lose eight of their last nine games, including blowing enormous leads to teams like Stanford, who is terrible. I mean, truly awful. And they're like, "Hold on, here's here's we're gonna we're gonna spot you 21 points, and then we're gonna go ahead and lose to you, terrible Stanford." Uh, so I'm having a hard time coming up with a legitimate reason other than Sports Illustrated is a dying entity and they're just trying to get clicks. And by the way, it worked. Dion and Sports Illustrated were trending together on Twitter yesterday. So kudos for you at Sports Illustrated to trend for a day. Most people were trolling you, to be fair, but you were trending. Well done, sir or ma'ams. Clickbait is uh, also good press. Yes. It, it, it is good press, but when you're just being dragged on the internet, like maybe we should have thought this Robbie, through. Let me tell you, though, here, I'm going to give you three reasons why okay. Deion Sanders is sports person of the year. I'm not going to like this, but go ahead. He's so good. <laughs> that Assistants are leaving <laughs> so because are. they know they will never be good enough to be a part of Deion's <laughs> staff. Reason number one. Reason number two, he's so good, recruits are decommitting. <laughs> Because they know they're not good enough to play for Deion Sanders' team. You're right. When you're right, you're right. And and last but certainly not least, he's so good, he won four times the games (laughs) that Colorado (laughs) won last season. Four times the games. That number is so high, Kirby Smart and Nick Saban can't even (laughs) say that. He won 400% more games. That is year why over Deion year. Sanders is your sports person of the year, Ravi. I think you're missing it. You I know, think you're missing the point. <laughs> you know, it is kind of funny because I said at the start of the year, if they win like four or five games, it's a miraculously successful year. But when they start three and zero and then lose eight out of nine, it takes a, la- a little uh, takes a little wind out of those sails. It's kind of like you were talking about with Rule earlier this. Uh, I think it was this week where. Or maybe last week, but they started five and three, mm-hmm. and people got a little out over their skis about what could happen. Right? People are. T- I mean, Expect- col- expectations change because they won in the wrong order a little bit. Right? Like if they lose 
eight of their first nine and then win three straight to end the season, it's like, okay, maybe a little positive momentum. Maybe they feel the same way about Dion the way we felt about Scott Frost after he started the season 0-6 in his first year. Um, Scott Frost also finished 4-8, and eight, did not win Sports Person of the Year in his first year as a coach at Nebraska, just in case anybody was wondering. Um, the <laughs> the – I don't know how. I, but that's the funny thing is actually winning four games from the team they had last year is actually a really good job. Mm-hmm. If it hadn't looked the way it looked, right? If they hadn't been so – like the amount of vindication that came for people like me who was like, I don't like how this is happening. I don't think this makes any sense. This feels like smoke and mirrors. It feels like they've got a super average roster and a couple guys, you know, whether it's Shadour or Travis Hunter or uh, Dylan Edwards, the running back. Outside of those guys, you're like, they're kind of just mid-level, meh, Pac-12 guys. Maybe even below average Pac-12 Yeah, I mean, you lose 8 out of 9 and you blow 21 Line play wasn't good. It was atrocious. I mean, remember, ask Dion. He's got to go to the portal and pay some guys. Um, And listen, everybody wants to go to the portal and pay some guys, right? But – yeah, at least a million, million and a half, something like that. Well, that's for quarterbacks. Linemen, oh, oh, linemen, oh. I mean, you know, good offensive linemen might fetch the same thing. So do pass rushers. But it's this is what happens if you're a front runner and all of a sudden you're not at the head of the pack anymore. And Dion is, if nothing else, in my mind, a front runner. He loves to tell people how great he is and tell people how great his program is. And listen – that's how they make their money, though. I get That's that. How they get their fame. And the confidence is fine and whatever, right? But when that isn't working, what's your plan B? Like, what's Dion's plan B? Is he just going to turn the roster over every year the way he did last year? Because guess what? It's one thing to do it in year zero when it's none of your guys. You're like, hey, I'm bringing in all my dudes. It's another thing to be able to do it when you brought in. 80 of these guys and you're like just kidding you guys aren't good enough either boot and then you do it year going in from year two to year three and you're like hey your guys aren't good enough either oh and I need a quarterback like how how long are guys going to continue to sign up to be disposable because I don't think it's very long no not at this level that's what I mean and Dion you know as much as he says he's in it for the long haul at Colorado he's not He's just not. That's just not what as he's built As soon as for. Shador and Travis Hunter My are man. gone, he's gone. He, he's, finding, he's finding something new to do. But I'll, I'll say this. You know, the worst thing that you can do is give somebody with a big head some early wins. Oof. And that's exactly why Colorado was so exhausting mm-hmm. this season. Mm-hmm. It's because you upset the national runner-up to open the season. Yet – Yes, that looks good on paper, but if you actually look at the teams lined up on paper, you'd notice that TCU turned over close to half of their roster, and they weren't the same team as they were last year. They were probably built for the same position Colorado built themselves for in the Big 12. Also, like I don't know if you remember at the start of the year, I was like, this is probably like a 6-6 six and six TCU team. And uh, what did they end up? Six and six, five and seven, something hey, like that? Like, close. right in that neighborhood, right? So, like, yes, it looked really good up front. But when you actually look at the reality of this team, okay, you don't have Heisman runner-up Max Duggan. You don't have a bunch of dudes on that roster that mm-hmm. made them what they were. So, yeah, you get, the, you get the juice from beating the national runner-up. 
But if you actually look at it, it's like, yeah, that's a super average team. Yeah, TCU ended the season three and six in conference play, five and seven overall. Okay. Yeah, they're exactly. I, I'm, I'm going to go through this for you. Let's <laughs> let's go through Colorado's wins for a hot sec. Nebraska ended the season five and seven. Same overall. as TCU. Yep. Also, I believe three and six in conference. They, I think you're right. Yeah. I think I think you're right on the nose. Uh, they also beat Colorado State in overtime, a game that. I actually they, thought Colorado State played better. Yeah, I did too. In, I did too. And also, if we want to talk about teams that played better, like Arizona State was also neck and neck with Colorado yes. this season. Also, Arizona State is terrible. Right. And Colorado State ended this season 3-5 and five in conference play, 5-7 and seven overall. So those are the th- first three wins to, to losing record teams. Yes. And That's Colorado's three wins on the year. And two of the first three – most people imagined would be losing record teams. Like most people didn't think Nebraska would have a winning record if they did. It was like six nationally. I, you know, I thought they'd be a little better, but nationally, most people didn't think Nebraska have, would have a winning record, and most people didn't think Colorado State would have a winning record. And then Arizona State two and seven in conference play, three and nine overall. Those are the four wins for Colorado this season. Yeah, they beat losing teams. Yeah, they beat teams that either they could have won the game or the other team could have won the game. Yeah, they did not. They did not win a game. Against a team that was like, hey. That was any good. Yeah, you're, you probably uh, should lose this game. Especially Nebraska at that point in the season. Now, right? TCU to open the year, I, I don't want to take that away. TCU was like a seven-point favorite, I believe. They, yeah, they maybe, were. Maybe even more. They were a favorite. You and know what? I think it was more because they were like plus 800. I think Colorado I think was, it was plus I think they were like a two-touchdown dog. Yeah. But, again, I think that was a lot of the unknown of what Colorado was and an assumption that TCU would be able to retain – a little bit of their magic from last year. And that was a dumb assumption, to be fair. Like, you lose the quarterback who basically fueled your entire season, and TCU wasn't supposed to be that good last year. And so you go into it assuming they're – like, listen, I said this in the moment. I go, that's a 6-6 six and six TCU team, and I gave them too much credit because it was a 5-7 and seven TCU team. Well, we gave Nebraska a lot of credit. Uh, yeah, I gave well, – I'm, I'm a homer. Like, what do you want from me? Like <laughs> – I'm got, always gonna give Nebraska. I'm gonna eh, I'm gonna err on the si- on the positive side when I'm like predicting record. I'm probably gonna err on the negative side after losses, mm-hmm. and I'm mad about mm-hmm. it. But this is a guy that, as you just mentioned, did not beat a winning team all year, and lost eight of his last nine games. It's not like he finished strong. The last thing in your memory is just, I mean, L L L L. Yeah, it's just taking tons of L's, and I just I. I got to say, one of, you know, and this is probably very petty of me, but some of my favorite uh, moments of watching Colorado in the last half of the season is watching Dion freeze his butt off, making sad Dion face with his hood up. He looks What's like up, the girl? he looks like the Kermit the Frog meme, like the evil Kermit meme where he's just, you know, got the head <laughs> up and I, yeah. I think that's Bernie Sanders. <laughs> no, that, that's with the mittens. Oh. <laughs> I'm talking about the the good <laughs> Kermit, the bad Kermit, you know. I'm with um, you. <laughs> I just, I in, I probably enjoyed the downfall as much as he enjoyed the come up, which probably says something about me, and I'm willing to live with that. Yeah. But I, I just, Sports Illustrated, you got to be better than that, man. Well, it's just the power of the internet, right? Like that. That's really all this is. Yes. Because Sports Illustrated took notice of, hey, if I post this. 
not only will we get clicks right away, we'll get a ton of interaction, and this will be shown everywhere. And they got exactly mm -hmm. what they expected and predicted because that's just what Dion brings. Dion is president of the sports internet fan club. <laughs> like, that, like that is Dion Sanders. And it's funny to me because I think about other stories that the internet just kind of like runs with yeah, like and rolls with. Self-generated internet stories. So there was a story earlier this week, Robbie, of Corey Perry – Mm -hmm. getting um, let go from the Blackhawks. And it came at a weird time because uh, a week prior, it was like, hey, he's he's suspended. Well, I, I don't know if it was actually suspended, but he's on leave with the team. And there, there was no, like, medical reason for it. it. All it said was for personal reasons. Mm -hmm. And, like, Corey Perry was having a really good season. I think he had either five or six goals, five or six assists, somewhere around that. Yeah. And they, he was initially brought in just to be a veteran presence for that Blackhawks team to groom Connor Bedard, who was the number one overall pick in last year's draft. And uh, uh, last year's, this year's? This year's know. draft. It would, how he was the number that? one pick in the most <laughs> recent draft. <laughs> Thank you. Uh <laughs> You go back a few months, you'll see Connor Bedard's name come off the board first. Just on a side note, real quick, I always I keep wanting to say Chris Perry, who was a random running back for Michigan in the early 2000s, instead of Corey Perry. So if I end up saying Chris Perry, I apologize in, in front. Go ahead. It's it's like it's like Bruce Jenner, Chris Jenner. Like it's that, it's that's just what, that's it's, what's going on I, in Robbie's head I just, right I now. I can't. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. So Corey Perry is brought in to be a father-like figure for Connor Bedard, get him up to speed for the NHL game. Two weeks ago, they go on, or, or the moms went on the trip. I don't know if you're familiar with those trips, but um, it alternates every year. The moms go one year, the dads go another year. They go for a weekend, um, watch the guys play, hang out yeah. with them, do activities, things like that. This year was the mom's trip. Well, this came out right after the mom's trip had happened. So... People on the internet, this is going back to what we were just talking about, self-generate the story. Yeah, they made assumptions. That Co Corey Perry. They took circumstantial evidence and context clues and came up with this. Corey Perry. Not Chris Perry. Had intercourse with Connor Bedard's mom. Allegedly. Like, that, that's what the that's story, what the story was. was. Yeah, yeah. That people said, this is why, and, here's, and now we're connecting the dots. First but of all, I blame Zach Wilson for this, first and foremost. <laughs> Not only Zach Wilson, how about Delonte West, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, Zach Wilson, we have confirmation. <laughs> his his ex-fiance put him on blast. Yeah, that is, that is true. But that's, that, again, is the power of the Internet. But it's just crazy how the Internet can become this cesspool for misinformation sometimes yeah. because – one person says it. Another person thinks it's funny. So not only do they, like, laugh about it, but they believe it at the same time. Yeah. So now they say it, too. Now you see, like, various sources coming out. And I'll say I'll use sources loosely. Yeah, it's Internet sleuth, basically. Coming out with, like, things. And, you know, one of the most, uh, like, well-known uh, individuals in, like, the hockey world on Twitter is Incarcerated Bob. Normally he gets mm -hmm. stories right. It, he said it's true because he said something about somebody said this news can't be right, and he quote tweeted and said it's true. Former NHL players just hit my DMs and said he had some extra activities with one of the moms on the trip. So now you're seeing this, and people just attach that to Connor Bedard because that's who he was grooming. Sure. And so he's like, "Yep, he had sex with Connor Bedard's mom. <laughs> yep, that's what it was." And people ran with it for over a day, Ravi. <laughs> over a day. TikToks were coming out about how Corey Perry did this with Connor Bedard's mom. And come to find out, he didn't do anything with a mom on the trip. 
Yeah. He did something either with a, a team executive because that's the story that came out next was like, hey, he may have made a false move with somebody in our, you know, on the, the organization personnel yeah. group. And then even yesterday it came out. No, he was just plastered at some event with a bunch of sponsors. And that's why he got, you know, pushed off. But then I'm like, OK, Blackhawks, like I can believe like, hey, it's not the mom. It, it was probably this other story. But don't just come out and say this. It was about him being drunk in front of sponsors because, like, everybody gets a little loosey-goosey. And even if it's wrong in that sense, yeah. like, you're not going to kick a dude off the team for getting drunk around sponsors, depending on what he did. Well, I was right? saying, while he may have, like, he may have, like, cursed somebody out or, like, Maybe. I think a lot of times, especially on the internet. But but normally, like, you could probably be like, hey, man, I'm really sorry. I was just, like, not, I was not myself. I obviously had too much too much to drink. Like, I, if. But you, you and know, I both know there's certain things that even in an inebriated state, that if you say them, there's no going back. Yeah, but so I, and I, think, I don't know. I think there's an I don't know what that a difference would be. though yes. when you're the the player. Sure. Like when you're you're having success on the ice for your organization, which is only good for sponsors in the end. Yeah. So like you could probably in this sense get a second chance if it was yeah. a situation like that, depending on what was said. I was like, I, I'm with depending like, on what was said, but. Normally, if I'm just making a fool of myself and I have yeah. too much to drink, it's going to be like, ah, whatever. It's, he's just right. He's one of the best. We brought him in for this reason only. He's not going to be on the team very long. But here's the other thing that you have to remember with sponsors, because usually you're talking about very rich people who have very large egos a lot of the time. No, no doubt. No doubt. And uh, sometimes in that scenario, when you're dealing with, especially if you're dealing with like Fortune 500 CEOs and stuff like that, or people of that level, Sometimes they will make a decision based on their ego that is not their best decision I'm for with their you. business. And I'm with you. So I, I can imagine – and listen, it may have been uh, inappropriate in nature still. Like he may have gotten drunk and, you know, maybe touched somebody he shouldn't, said something he shouldn't in that sense, and that would also make sense. He may have also just popped off to the wrong person <laughs> who was having a little bit of insecurity and was like, get rid of that guy or we're pulling our money. And the Blackhawks are like, hey, you're not the future. See you, bud. <laughs> That's true, too. You know, so yeah, I, I think there's a lot. But I also think the Internet is obsessed with sex. I don't know if you've been on the Internet, but like that is, you know, also so, true. so like yeah. I think there the are ways I think the assumption on the Internet is always going to be mm. it's going to go to sex yeah, first. Th and the more I think about it, there are scenarios that could get somebody kicked off. But I I, I think there's a little bit extra grace in, in those moments. Uh, like, if you hit a certain threshold, you're good. Sure. Like, a threshold that we would hit, we would probably get let go. Sure. But Corey Perry would be fine if he goes above that. But there's still a threshold right, for him that right. he can't yeah, break. If he goes right. above that, yeah, that then, you know, there, there's some uh, there's some violations <laughs> that, that may get hit. But it's just funny to me how the internet can just spin something and, like, make it be true. Yeah. Yeah, or it's the perception of it is widespread enough that it doesn't matter – publicly that it's not true and you know no joke i'm watching this transpire mm -hmm. and i want it so badly to be true <laughs> that in my head <laughs> that's I'm the like, thing this is what it is that's, and that's part of the problem that's why it happens is because we want the salacious story to be true because that's fun to talk about and let's so let's Corey yeah. perry getting drunk in, in front of a sponsor unless we know what was said isn't that fun to talk about and speaking of not knowing what was said tell us what ethan piper's mom said uh <laughs> Also, 
disclaimer, <laughs> let's not be family ruiners. Like, because that really could have happened yeah, here. For Connor sure. Bedard's family could have split up, and so could Corey yes, Perry. Let's, let's not, not ruin people's that. family with rumors. Coming up next, we've got Tony Osborne from Omaha Men's Basketball. We're live from the Herd at Sports Bar and Grill on the H&H Chevrolet stage. Want to set up the show for you real quick. We are efforting Tony Osborne of Omaha men's basketball uh, coming up here uh, in a little bit. Then we will talk to Mark Weiser. He is the Georgia football beat writer for the Athens Banner Herald. As we preview the SEC championship game, we will continue with Travis Ryer from Bama Online. Uh, talking Alabama. Then we will have our guy Mike Sauter in for the uh, 9 o'clock hour. He uh, obviously covers high school basketball and uh, Creighton and Nebraska basketball. Which opened up yesterday. Here. Not yep. Creighton. No. <laughs> high school. Uh, high school opened up yesterday. Uh, so he's been a busy man the last few days as well. Not that he's ever not busy. You know who's really good at basketball? Who's that? And, and scores a lot of points, like when we talked to Tony Osborne. Uh, Britt Prince. Yes. Yeah, good at basketball. Uh, 42 for sure. points yesterday. I can can confirm, good at basketball. Pretty dang good. <laughs> not <laughs> not too shabby. Um, yeah, so we will we'll have some basketball here for you today. Obviously, we're going to preview that SEC championship game. Uh, Andrew and I will make our picks later as well. Um, I picked, you know, I know you said you picked mostly college. Mm -hmm. I picked three college. I had three NFL. You can tell me if I'm crazy or not. Um but you know who's not crazy is our next guest on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline, <laughs> our guy Tony Osborne from Omaha Men's Basketball. Tony, how are you this morning? I'm great. How are you? We are doing well. We appreciate you joining us, uh, coming off of the win against Bellevue. But I want to go back a couple games to uh, your outstanding performance against York where you uh, set the Omaha record for three-pointers in a game with nine, you had 32 points. I, I guess when you're in a zone like that over an extended period of time for a whole game, just kind of what's going through your head and how aware are you of what you're doing from a statistical standpoint? Do you even realize it before you check out of the game? Um, you know, it, it, it's a good feeling when, when everything you, you're putting up seems to go in, but that, that was in the first half. The second half, it was kind of, they weren't all going. In like the first half, but, <laughs> now, Tony, did, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, statistically, like I really wasn't aware of the record until uh, they, one of the coaches told me that I needed one more. So that that's kind of why I stayed in the game for that long. So it was a huge credit to them and, and my teammates got me really good shots. So. Well, Tony, I know you've hit nine threes before back in high school, but you ended up scoring way more than 32 in that one. So you're not totally unfamiliar. I believe there was a 62-point performance back in your Missouri high school days. Yeah, you know, it, the 32 wasn't, wasn't quite like the 62. <laughs> the 62 was something I'm sure I'm never going to experience again. So it, it, it's not quite the same, but it does feel pretty good. Tony, did you feel bad at all that that record-setting three came with, like, 20 seconds to go up 40? Oh, 100%. <laughs> he had ran me two plays with, like, the five-minute mark, and I threw up two air balls where they were both open. So, I mean, we were trying, but, you know, it, it, just wasn't, it wasn't meant to be until late, I guess. You know, Tony, I was going to say, you know, it would have been nice if you just get a nice round, even 10, but the nine will get it done 
uh, for the record. Uh, speaking of records, your record as a team, five and four so far this year. Uh, what have you liked about the way you guys have played so far? And what are some things you still would like to see improved as you continue on with your non-conference schedule? Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people, I think a lot of people probably don't realize that five and four is a really good start for a, a non-conference mid-major team. So I, I think that's, that's a big time step for us moving in the right direction. I think that we, we do have a lot of things we can work on, but I think one thing is we, we really don't turn the ball over as a team. That's something we, we struggled with last year. Um, I think I think we've done a good job of everybody who's really starting to rebound, um, and it'll be really really tested when we go to Texas Tech because they'll be they'll have us in size and athleticism, so I think that'll be a good step for us. And then I think something we can improve on is uh, – Something we can improve on is probably we we not really we haven't really put it all together like one through twelve everybody that's suited up so I think that when that happens uh, that'll be the biggest step. Tony, records yes individually coming for you, but also as a team. Just yesterday, the team broke the attendance record with over five thousand fans. What does it mean not only to be a part of so many milestones that early in your career, but also what's it like having roughly 5,000 kids chanting UNO at you guys yesterday? Oh, you know, it's, it's so loud. You can, you can hardly thank them, man, for sure. And we appreciate all the support, absolutely. I think that's, that's a testament to the work we're putting in, too, is to have a lot more fans and, you know, continue to move in that direction. But those kids that they had they definitely enjoyed themselves and we enjoyed having them for sure now tony um you know when you get kids at a sporting event a lot of times they don't know what team they're cheering for and early on in that game it seemed like both teams were getting their respective <laughs> cheers uh, did you notice that at all oh no i absolutely did notice that you know at one point i was I was, uh, they might even cheer in louder for Bellevue at some point than they I think I think by about the ten minute mark they, they kinda of figured it out and it, it definitely helped us to shift the momentum. Well, you know, Tony, kids don't always know what's going on, so it's all right. I wouldn't I wouldn't take it too personally. Robbie's not much of a kid fan, so <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, you know, I that, might, that probably wouldn't have been my favorite game if I was uh, playing or coaching in that one, but that's okay. Uh, I'm glad they brought some good energy for you. Uh, Tony, as we kind of look forward in the rest of your season, what are some of the goals that you and the team have put forward in terms of things you're hoping to accomplish in year two of Coach Crutch's tenure? Yeah, I think I think be a lot more competitive in conference play. You know, last year we we it was looking not too bad going into the conference play, and we even we even started conference with a win, and then we're really competitive with Oral Roberts, who won the league and you know dominated was undefeated. We we had him on the ropes at home the second conference game of the year. So I think trying to build from that and be competitive. Um, I think going into conference play with eight or nine wins would be really big for us too. So. I think just trying to finish the non-con really well and then go into conference play and just take it game by game because everybody's competitive. It doesn't matter if you're playing the best team or the worst team in the league. You know, we got to go and compete every single night. Tony, we'll get you out of here on this. Speaking of conference play, Omaha picked seventh in the preseason poll less than a month away before that first Summit League match. Based on where this team is today, 
factoring in how things shook out last year and Crutch getting a full year of head coaching under his belt, think the progress from year one to year two is overlooked and underrated when it comes to projected finishing position in the eyes of the Summit League? Yeah, I, I absolutely think it's probably a little bit overlooked, but it is understandable to put us at seventh, but you know, they, they nobody's there when we're practicing and working, so I think that that's something you can't look too much into. Even if we were picked first, it, it would mean probably the same thing. So I think it's even a little easier to play when nobody expects you. You don't have those high expectations. You know, we can just come out and play, you know, and knowing we're the underdog in, in most games. So I think that we've done a great job, especially the coaching staff has put together a great summer and, and fall and now in the season. So I think uh, – I think there will be a huge jump for us, at least I hope. Tony, we appreciate your time. And, and listen, just do me a favor. Next time you're, you're creeping up there on seven, eight, nine for, uh, three-pointers, just go ahead, go ahead and hit that tenth one for me. Don't worry about it. Just get that tenth one. <laughs> uh, I'll absolutely try. If I wouldn't throw up two air balls. <laughs> hey, we've all been there. We've all been there. Tony, we appreciate your time. We'll talk to you again soon. Good luck the rest of the year. Yep, thank you very much. Thanks, Tony. That is Tony Osborne, the single-game three-point record holder mm -hmm. for Omaha basketball. Went 9 for 17 in that game against York. They are, their schedule coming up, they go at Texas Tech on Wednesday, at Texas A&M Corpus Christi a week from tomorrow, and then they return home on Sunday the 17th against Stetson. If you want to go to Baxter Arena and see your Omaha men's basketball team, uh, play in person. See if you can beat some of those decibel levels that the kids reached uh, I yesterday. Still, I think it's awesome that they were no, cheering. No, it's a cool atmosphere. Like, yeah. Not only for Omaha, but for Bellevue, because that just shows how innocent a child is. Well, and they're honestly, I think they're just cheering because they're not in school. I, I think <laughs> the same thing. I mean, when you had the chance to go on field trips in school, oh, yeah. it was the best thing in the world. Just lost your minds. Uh, coming up next, we will wrap up our no number one here on Herd at Sports Radio. Wrapping up hour number one here on Herd Out Sports Radio. I'm Robbie Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. What's up, man? We are live on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. And we are knee-deep sifting through the portal looking for a quarterback for Nebraska. And there are a lot to choose from. Some super high-profile guys hopped in the portal yesterday. Uh, one of my favorite guys hopped in a few days ago. That's Grayson McCall. I mean, technically speaking, we're still three days away from anyone officially hopping in, but these are the ones right. who have declared. Uh, a big name one yesterday, transferring for the second time, DJ Uyunglele. He is leaving. Uy what? Uyunglele. Oh, I didn't know if you were saying Uy Pui. No, which is that's IUPUI. Purdue University, Indiana. Every time I hear Say it again. I'm not going to say Uyunglele. it. Uyunglele. Where is the N? For yeah, one? it's, uh, um, it's like kind of like Tonga Vailoa. Like there's no N in there, but that you kind of like. Fair, fair. Yeah. yeah, the the thing I think about with his last name. Yeah. <laughs> and this is so dumb. Do you remember the the World Cup in South Africa? Yeah. And whenever it would go to commercial break, <laughs> it would be, we wumba way. Yeah, it was the Shakira song. <laughs> yeah. It was the Shakira song. That's what I think of every yeah. time I hear DJU's last name. Uh, so he's back in the portal for the second time. Um, he is a super interesting 
uh, he's a super interesting guy because he's got all the talent in the world. He had some ups and downs at Clemson, but he was actually actually pretty good this last year at Oregon State. Um, was better than you remember at Clemson as well. He was kind of the scapegoat for them dropping to an atrocious 11-3 and uh, last year. And then it's like, oh, they get Cade Klubnik. And it's like, oh, maybe it wasn't a DJ Uyunglele problem. Um, and so he's in the portal now. Another one, probably the biggest one in the portal. Um, I don't think we, we mentioned uh, Riley Leonard yesterday. He appears to be headed to Notre Dame. Um, but Dante Moore, mm -hmm. a guy that if you're not paying real close attention to Pac-12 football, you may not have heard of, but he was the number two overall prospect in last year's class, a five-star quarterback out of Detroit. He played in 10 games this year um, in part-time duty and kind of had an up-and-down season, was originally committed to Oregon out of high school, um, but as we mentioned, from Detroit, so he, you know, you have to look out at Jonathan Smith at Michigan State. You have to look out at Michigan, obviously. And then pretty much every other blue blood in the country is going to be after mm -hmm. him. So I don't, that's probably going to be one of your seven-figure quarterbacks. I don't think Nebraska is going to be in on Dante Moore. Um, I wouldn't I, hate it. I would not <laughs> hate it. Although got a lot of eligibility left. I will say he is immensely talented probably less of a sure thing than some of these other guys. I would agree with that, too, because of his youth. Because of his but youth, and there were some – I mean, he did throw nine interceptions this and, year compared and, and to that, 11 touchdowns, but super talented, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, you would take a guy – a chance on a guy like this if he wanted to come there. Like, if he's like, I'm all in on Nebraska, like, let's go, you'd be like, yeah, sure, let's do this. Let's I'd pay the money and yeah, say, hey, absolutely. come on over. Let's let, but – Because I, those numbers will go down. Yeah. The, the more the, game experience the he gets. The interception numbers will go down. But, like, compared to a guy like Riley Leonard or Will Howard where you've got multiple years sure of thing. starting where you're like, hey, I can feel pretty confident that this is a guy that I can feel good about. Dante Moore is probably more of one of those guys that Rule was talking about where you say, hey, it's that second year after the transfer that these guys really pop. It's not a lot of times it's that first year where you're like, oh, man, this guy's setting the world on fire. It's the Bo Nix and Michael Penixes of the world where – you're looking at and saying, hey, this dude is really, really something here. Now, obviously, you have exceptions like Caleb Williams last year winning the Heisman in his first year at USC. But Dante Moore has that type of ability, uh, a Michael Penix or a Bo Nix, and, and maybe even physically a little bit more talented than those guys. But he is a little bit more of a gamble than some of these guys like Will Howard or Riley Leonard, where you look at and say, hey, I have a pretty good idea what I'm going to get from this guy. Now, with Dante Moore, it's interesting because, yes, the Oregon connection is big. Uh, because but he decommitted for over. a reason. It, yes. Um, I don't know if the reason is as simple as, hey, UCLA was going to offer me like more, more money. Am. Yeah, sure. Um, and it could be. It, it could be as simple as. You know, Bo Nix was going to get the job, and they UCLA said I could play right away. Sure, um, absolutely. But it also could be, you know, with his connection to Michigan, he may just want to go home. And you yeah. know, when you go to school across the country, which I did not do, right? Uh, I can't, I, but I can imagine what it's like living out of my home state and the desire to. You don't have to, to imagine it. To home, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, there, that's a real thing. Yeah. And, and that affects real people. It affected Jordy Ball. Jordy Ball Absolutely. was 
number the number was, one pitcher in college softball, arguably the best player in college softball, yeah. and decided, you know what, instead of winning national championships I consecutively, wanna I want to go home. Not only because I want to maybe do something special in my in my home state, but be closer to her family. Yeah, just and, and, family. and she is, her values are, are so high um, in terms of familial values. Yeah. So Dante Moore, without knowing any of his personality, that could be a huge draw too. And that's why Michigan State could be a perfect spot because, you yeah. know, you have a new head coach. He's looking for a quarterback. They just had two enter the portal. But you also have the big school there yeah, in Michigan. Michigan. And J.J. McCarthy's going to be moving on. You're watching a team that's probably going to compete for the national championship this season. For the third year in a row. Dante Moore, if he wants to compete. Could start right away. And start and, and yeah. start right away. That's a spot for you. Yeah. UCLA's not going to compete for a national title next year. They might, they might not compete for a national title in his uh, eligibility window at UCLA. Now, could they if he became the next big thing, a superstar? Sure. He could be like Michael Penix and get Washington sure. in the running. But here's the other thing about Washington that we sort of forget. They were in the college football playoff mm -hmm. not that long. I mean, the college football playoffs only existed for 10 years, so of course it wasn't that long ago if they've been in the college football playoff. UCLA has never been that school. Like, you can even look at Michigan State. Michigan State was in the college football playoff. Like, those two schools do have a history of being successful at that level, and UCLA just does it, right? Even without a Michael Penix, even uh, after the Mike D'Antonio era at, uh, at, at Michigan State, this is, a, this is a totally different situation where there is proof of concept there for those schools to go and compete for a national title, even if it's not going to Michigan. So uh, as I look up and down the list, because I, I, I'm trying to go through our comment section, which we appreciate. Travis Squared and TK always chiming in. Uh, but Travis Squared doing most of the work on the back end here in terms <laughs> of current NIL money for DJU, which is 625 k uh, The reason I think it's that low is because he was – tailing off at Clemson so when he went to Oregon State he wasn't as hot like, of a commodity desired yeah. Yeah. now he's getting to a point right. where he is so that NIL dollar will go up and especially for Dante Moore he'll get paid as well but in terms of realistic options for Nebraska because you can you can dream mm -hmm. right which oddly enough Dante Moore went to Martin Luther King High School uh, <laughs> you can dream for those like those five stars, those four stars, those that have a lot of eligibility left, those that would be a, hey, win now approach, guys. But that's not – look, the percentage of Nebraska securing one of them is low. Yeah, absolutely. So if there is somebody in the portal, you mentioned Grayson McCall. Yeah. Who you think is a realistic option. If it's not Grayson McCall and it's somebody else in the portal, mm -hmm. who is it for you – that's like, okay, he's deserving of the the seven-figure mark, but he's also somebody that fits because that's sure. what Nebraska is all about. They're about fit right now because there's going to be more that come in. Mm -hmm. There's going to be more that commit. Yeah. But right now, as of today, if this was the spread you're choosing from, mm -hmm. who's the realistic option for you? So we're taking, like, Will Howard out of the equation? I would take Will Howard out of the equation because – from what I've seen and what I've heard, he's going to end up at a program that's in a, a better state Win right now, now type of situation. than Nebraska. Fair. Um, I actually don't I actually don't know how unrealistic DJU is because 
he unless he wants to stay on the West Coast and be, you know, he's he's a West Coast guy originally, I believe. Um, I might just be assuming that because of his last name, but I, I believe he actually is from the <laughs> West Coast or Hawaii. Um, but he is, unless he is is intent on staying on the West Coast, I do think a guy like that who does technically have two years of eligibility left, I believe, is a somewhat realistic option on the high end. But a, a guy that I look at as more realistic, somebody in Nebraska's range, um, is... You know, I, I look at a guy like MJ Morris. He's a guy that had a Nebraska offer. That's a transfer from from NC State. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that had a Nebraska offer coming out of high school in 2022. Hasn't played a ton uh, in his time at at NC State, but he's a guy that kind of fits that Matt Rule profile of multiple years, still can develop. Obviously, there was some level of interest in Nebraska on the front end of his recruitment. Um, that's a guy where I look at and it's like, hey, he's probably he's probably not a seven-figure guy. You probably don't have to break the bank for him, but there is still a talent level there that I think you have a chance uh, to develop him into the type of quarterback you want to have without kind of necessarily playing that portal game that rule seems to be a little hesitant to, to get involved with. All I know here, Robbie, is there's a lot of four stars available and there aren't that many schools out there that are in need of starting quarterbacks to the amount of four stars you see sure. in the portal right now. Which MJ Morris was a four star coming out of high school, according to our 24 7 And, and you know, that's not to say that one of these guys won't join somebody else at a university that already has a starting quarterback and compete for yeah, a job. Yeah, absolutely. But more times than not, when you go to the portal, you want to start <laughs> wherever you go next. Coming up next, we've got Mark Weiser. He's going to preview Georgia for us in that SEC championship game here on Hurt Sports Radio. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Kicking off our number two here on Herd at Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula, Andrew Rogers with me as well. We're on AM590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. And we are joined now by Mark Weiser. He is the Georgia beat writer for the Athens Banner Herald. Mark, how are you this morning? Doing well. How are you guys doing? 
We are doing well. We appreciate you joining us. I know it's a little unusual to be talking to Nebraskans at this time of year, but we appreciate you uh, you joining us here on the show as we kind of go through the pertinent players in the college football playoff scenario. It would be uh, malpractice of us not to talk to the two-time defending national champions who are, oh, by the way, still currently undefeated. You know, uh, Mark, I know a lot of people, myself included, thought early in the season this Georgia team had taken a step back and they appeared beatable, but they weathered that portion of the schedule and now look as good as anybody in the country. Is that how you process this season up close and personal, or how have you looked at the development of this team from week one to now? You know, there's been a couple of different ways to, to look at it. I mean, I, I don't think that they are as dominant a team as you saw, uh, you know, maybe last year or the year before, but they don't have to be. They have to be the best team, you know, for this season. And it really is depending game game by game. I mean, there's been a kind of an unusual occurrence, which is the other team jumping ahead of Georgia in a lot of these games. And Georgia's given up, I think it was five straight uh, first possession touchdowns to the opposition. But, you know, they, there's no panic when this team goes behind. Um, you know, and then some games in particular, some of their biggest games, uh, you know, the Ole Miss game, the Kentucky game, the uh, the Tennessee games, games that, that kind of were, were a little bit uh, hyped up. I mean, you know, Missouri game, you can almost include in that. Georgia, you know, really looked like uh, their best version of themselves. They, they were hitting on all cylinders. Missouri, we found out, is, you know, one of the best teams around. I guess they're maybe top 10 this week in the college football playoff rankings. Um, you know, and that was a closer than expected game. But, you know, besides Alabama, Missouri might be the third best team in the SEC. Um, but this Georgia team certainly, uh, you know, is capable of three-peating and, um, you know, just a little bit different, uh, more offensive-oriented, uh, not as dominant on defense. Mark, speak to how wild the three-peat actually could be for this program because it's not like Georgia was competing for titles until Kirby Smart pulled up and told everyone to hold his beer. Now the dogs are lifting trophies, sending guys to the league like it's their job. How did Georgia rise to the top and become the kings of college football? Like, What do you think was the moment when everything just clicked? Yeah, Kirby Smart took over a very good program, but one that, that you know, hadn't been able to, to uh, crack through and, and get to a college football, uh, you know, championship game. I mean, they were five yards short in 2012 against Alabama in the Georgia Dome. They had beaten, uh, you know, if they had had a touchdown on that last uh, play instead of a deflected uh, pass that got caught short of the goal line, you know, the, the chances are they go and, and roll over Notre Dame like Alabama did. Uh, you know, Kirby Smart has, has taken it up another level for Mark Rick, who, you know, won 10-plus games, pretty much, you know, uh, averaged that much. Uh, and this is a, a different deal. I mean, he, he implemented Alabama's, uh, a lot of what they did there, what he learned from Nick Saban through, you know, nine seasons there and uh, has gotten the financial support. Uh, you know, if there's a facility that needs to be built, um, Kirby's going to get it here. And, and they're recruiting, uh, you know, very um, aggressively and, relentlessly and uh, you know stack you stack top three recruiting classes on top of each other year after year and you develop uh, you know players like Alad McConkey or Stetson Bennett that, that aren't five stars uh, you know you're going to be a championship uh, caliber program. Mark I, I'm I'm curious because there's there's been a lot of uh, a lot of former Saban assistants that have had mixed amounts of success as head coaches once they've left Tuscaloosa 
And it's, if I'm remembering correctly, Kirby Smart was the first one to win at a super high level after leaving Alabama. What, what makes Kirby Smart different than a lot of these other guys that just maybe weren't able to figure it out? How was he able to replicate that success from Alabama? You know, he's only 47, year old, 47 years old now, and he has two national championships. Uh, you know, Nick Saban um, won a lot of the national championships at Alabama, but he didn't get his first there until 2009, and he was older than Kirby then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Kirby learned, um, you know, and he, he ran the defense, I'm sure, you know, as he uh, got further and further into his Alabama, um, you know, tenure that, that Nick Saban, you know, loosened the reins and it, it became more and more Kirby's. Uh, defense. So, um, you know, uh, it's interesting if you look at Alabama's kind of dip, um, you know, without Kirby, you know, people look at it as the kind of a changing of the guard. How much did Kirby have to do with what Nick Saban's success is? Now, of course, uh, you know, Bama goes out tomorrow and, and beats Georgia. You know, that changing of the guard will have halted a, a good bit, and, and Alabama will look, uh, you know, like an, another equal of Georgia. But, um, you know, Kirby Smart's a son of a, of a high school coach, successful. He grew up um, you know, in this game, and it's been his kind of life's work to a certain extent. I mean, he was an all-SEC safety, graduated from the business school at Georgia, so he's got a lot of good qualities, um, and, you know, just the the focus of, uh, you know, if he wins a national title number three, uh, you know, you're going to hear that that night or the next morning, what he's thinking about with the transfer portal or his next recruiting class. I mean, he doesn't uh, spend much time soaking them up. He's looking for what's next. Mark, you mentioned these, you know, stacking these recruiting classes and and this immense amount of talent that they've been able to accumulate at Georgia. But then you also mentioned kind of the anomaly there in Stetson Bennett, which that quarterback position at Georgia has been one of the stranger things uh, under Kirby Smart, where they pretty consistently bring in a super high level guy. But you have, you know, you have a guy like Justin Fields transfer out. You have Stetson Bennett beating out these much higher uh, rated recruits. How much of that is, I guess, how how and why did that happen, I guess, is the real question. You know, Kirby inherited Jacob Eason, a five-star that Mark Rick kind of laid the the foundation for. But, um, you know, he didn't hold on to the job for too long. He transferred out when Jake Fromm. A, mm-hmm. uh, a high four-star, uh, you know, kind of won the job when Eason got injured. Um, you know, JT Daniels transfers from Southern Cal, and, you know, everyone was waiting for him to be ready to go after his knee injury that, that kind of limited him until the fourth game, the fourth to last game of that season. Um, you know, but then, uh, you know, when, when Eason, or rather, when, uh, when Daniels had his own injuries, you know, Stetson Bennett play, played himself into the position and, and didn't give it up, and, you know, it took a long time for Georgia's fan base and even the coaching staff to really believe that Stetson Bennett was the kind of guy that could win them a championship. And once he did, you know, he did it again a second time. And, um, you know, this year it's, it's Carson Beck, a, a guy that, you know, kind of has bucked every trend. He's, he's a fourth-year guy that didn't start a game until his uh, fourth year of college, which doesn't happen anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those guys are in the transfer portal, and, and now he's kind of stepped in seamlessly with the new coordinator and, you know, could be playing – he plays a different game than Stetson Bennett. He's not going to be as athletic with his feet. But, um, you know, great uh, – he can make every throw and, and uh, is a winner, really has command of the offense and, and has a lot of confidence. Mark, let's talk about some of those key pieces for the Bulldogs um, and, and run us through the injury report for this game in particular, especially the presences of 
Brock Bowers and Lad McConkey. How necessary will it be for them to suit up in this one if Georgia wants consistent success on offense? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, they've have found ways to win games without key guys week after week. Now, not not as many as are kind of on the questionable list now. I mean, Brock Bowers warmed up against Georgia Tech. I think if it wasn't uh, the SEC championship game, he would have played. Um, but, you know, they, they knew that they had enough talent to get through that game. Um, I expect he would be playing, and, you know, I don't know if he's going to get his normal 55, 60 snaps. He's coming off, uh, you know, that high ankle surgery, and he came back for a couple games and has had some soreness. Lad McConkey has really missed about half the season between a back injury and an ankle injury. He might be more of a, a guy that you can only get in for about 15 snaps tomorrow. But, you know, a guy like Dylan Bell is, is kind of pushed down the depth chart or, or you know, pushed down the amount of targets he gets. Uh, when those guys are available, but you know he makes a lot of plays as a as a kind of a fill in a running back when they had some injuries there. Uh, made a great catch on the sideline last week against Georgia Tech through a touchdown pass at Tennessee. Um, you know they have Oscar Delp, another good tight end behind Brock Bowers. Um, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint uh, can show up in in games and make big catches. So. Um, you know, Ra Ra Thomas is a Mississippi State transfer that's been dealing with a foot injury. Um, he might be the, the furthest from being available. Uh, and then the other guy was Tate Rallage, an offensive guard, um, who they have enough guys on the offensive line where, you know, whether he can go or not, I imagine he'd be available. But, uh, you know, like Amarius Mims came back from ankle surgery and was ready for a couple games, but they didn't put him out there because they had other guys that were just a little bit healthier and ready to go. So, um, you know, Georgia can use everyone available against Alabama, they could probably still get by if they're missing one or two of them. I don't, I don't think uh, missing Bowers and McConkey together would be ideal. Uh, we're talking with Mark Weiser. He is the Georgia beat writer for Athens Banner Herald. Uh, Mark, as you look at this Alabama team, uh, eye test definitely tells you this is the best team that Georgia will have faced all year, certainly the most talented, even though there was a, a couple other teams in the same ratings range as Alabama at the time that Georgia played them. What are you expecting to see from this Alabama team that's going to challenge Georgia in a way that they haven't been challenged yet this year? I don't know if it's that they haven't been challenged uh, with the quarterback uh, run and the um, d dynamic nature of Jalen Milrow. It's just probably not to the level that, that he can do it. I mean, last week, Haynes King of, of Georgia Tech, the Texas A&M transfer, uh, quarterback, he ran for a couple of touchdowns, um, you know, in the in the red zone, um, and Georgia just had a hard time. They, they're missing Jamon Dumas Johnson, uh, probably their best inside linebacker, and they have a couple of freshmen that are in there that are very talented, but don't have the kind of experience. Um, against Auburn, their quarterback ran for about 65 yards um, down the down the sideline. So they've had issues, and Jalen Milrow, um, you know, is, is very special with his ability. Um, to either scramble or on design runs or, or just sit in the pocket and, and really find um, his open receiver. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting, uh, you know, if they spy him with, with a player or, or what they do. But, you know, Jalen Miller is going to make his plays. It, it's just a matter of what else gets going. I know Alabama's top running back, McClellan, is, is uh, you know, maybe doubtful. And uh, they don't have the type of wide receivers that they've had in past years. So, um, you know, Georgia might be the uh, more explosive offensive team in this one. Now, Mark, is there a worry at all Georgia could be knocked out of the college football playoff if they take a loss on Saturday with n knowing what, like, any scenario could bring? 
certainly. I mean, there's a, there's a possibility that Alabama wins and the SEC gets shut out entirely. I don't think that's going to happen, but um, I think it would be hard to obviously uh, keep Alabama out of the playoff um, if Georgia is going in. So an Alabama win probably puts Alabama like at fourth in the pecking order, and Georgia could be on the outside looking in, depending, you know, what happens w- w- with Texas, uh, you know, what happens with Florida State. Um, you know, they are not unlocked to get there, unlike the last couple of years because of, uh, you know, just the nature of about eight different teams uh, that, that are kind of in that mix, uh, you know, Georgia. Now, a, a tight loss, if it's, uh, you know, an incredible, you know, 35-34 uh, Alabama wins, something like that, I, I think there's a possibility that both these teams get in. Um, you know, it just remains to be seen how things shake out this weekend. All right, Mark, I'm, I'm not going to ask for a score or anything, but if there's a – couple of keys for Georgia to come out on top of the, on this game. What would those keys be? I'll give you a score because I, I already put it up on our website. Oh, beautiful. Oh, nice. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> I got Georgia. I got Georgia 31 to 24. Um, I think, you know, what's really been helping Georgia offensively while they've been dealing with all these injuries to their skill players on the outside uh, is Kendall Milton running the ball at, you know, the best he's ran it. Uh, you know, in his career, he's a guy that's dealt with a, a bunch of injuries, but really uh, has taken a lot of runs to the second level, has really uh, broken a lot of tackles, been a physical runner. And Alabama has, you know, given up some rushing yards against Auburn last week, some, some of the times this year. So uh, I think that's an advantage for Georgia if they can get Kendall Milton, uh, you know, continuing on that pace. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, Alabama, uh, I think Georgia's going to score their points. So, you know, if, if nobody has scored on Georgia uh, more than 23 points this season, and, uh, you know, there's the difference, I think. I, I think Georgia's defense, um, while not what the le- they've had the same couple of seasons, uh, I think they will be uh, the best defense that Alabama has faced, and, you know, th- that's why I got this thing 31-24. All right, Mark, we'll get you out of here on this. Let's change gears just quickly and talk Fran Brown for a moment. We're big coaching carousel guys on the show. We know a little bit about his work just because of his connection with Matt Rule. But how exciting is it to see him finally get his shot at a school like Syracuse? Yeah, it's a great fit. You know, kind of outside the box thinking for the athletic director there. Uh, Big time ties to the Northeast, a relentless recruiter. Only spent two years at Georgia. Uh, You know, it's kind of weird to have a position coach go uh, to become a head coach, but Sam Pittman had some success at Arkansas in his first few seasons, not as much this year. Um, so, you know, looks like a, a good hire. Uh, it would be a loss for Georgia on the recruiting trail. I think Fran's the number one rated recruiter by the 247 kind of recruiting coaching rankings. And it, it's a it's a member of uh, Kirby Smart's coaching tree. But like you said, it's more Matt Rule. He, he was with them at Temple. He was with them at TCU. Um, and so, a uh, New Jersey guy going to uh, upstate New York is, is a good fit for uh, for the Orange. Mark Weiser from Athens Banner Herald. Mark, we appreciate your time and uh, enjoy covering the game this weekend. All right, should be a good one. Thanks, guys. Thanks, That's Mark. Mark Weiser from the Athens Banner Herald. Good stuff there from Mark. So I heard this this morning driving in on on five ninety. The national um, the national folks were talking about if you could only watch one conference championship game this weekend like hey the radio is out the tv is out all (laughs) like the internet no internet but somehow some way you got to choose the one game that you could watch what would it be i mean that's pretty easy for me it's it's washington oregon that's so friday night's game tonight's game game. that's the best one to me i I, because bama and georgia is 
what most people would it's say sec- is the best that's game. That's second for me. Because of how much closer the spread is with the, uh, yeah, I with think the that, talent that is on the field. I think that spread in Oregon-Washington is just asinine. Like, I think it's so dumb. So, honestly, I think it's a trap. I think – Georgia will or, or uh, Georgia uh, Oregon will actually cover it. You think so? Because Vegas wants you to choose Washington plus ten. Sure. Yeah. That's, this is the ideal trap game. Like if if you were reading a, a chapter in the <laughs> what not to do when you're sports betting, you'd get to this page and be like, don't bet on Washington. Well, because why would why in any world would Washington as the number three team in the country? Mm-hmm. Undefeated, already beat Georgia once this year. Even if people want to claim, beat or, Oregon. Yeah, I, yeah. what did I say again? Georgia. Georgia. That's right. We're see, just we talking just to Georgia. Done it's talking right. Georgia. <laughs> already beat Oregon once this yeah. year. Even if those want to argue that Oregon was the better team in that game, who scoreboard? Won? Yeah, scoreboard. Who won? It was Washington. That your nine and a half, ten point dogs. Yeah. Like that right there is a trap. Well, I don't want to spoil our picks for later because we will get to those. But yeah. Um, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. What's up, James? I was just going to say, being my favorite weekend this weekend for sports, you have four games in a row that, you, you, that you're going to want to watch. I mean, you got tonight's game, you got tomorrow's game with Texas, then you got the SEC championship, then you got the Big Ten championship. After that, out of those four, Big Ten championship's probably the fourth. So... Any of the other three. <laughs> the Big Ten Championship, I'd rather watch the Conference USA game yeah. than the Big Ten Championship. Listen, I'm watching SMU Tulane before I'm watching, <laughs> which I love. SMU Tulane. Let's go, baby. Uh, but you, you don't you don't think it would be close? Which one? At all? Like Michigan? Yeah, I mean, you it, don't think they're Iowa's? They're going to shut them out. They're going to shut out yeah, Iowa. Iowa's, Iowa's not scoring a point. Iowa's they're not scoring a point? Not, good. not scoring a point. Uh, Iowa can't move the football, and J.J. McCarthy won't make a mistake that is – Costly enough for that defense to turn it into six. Yeah. He just won't. So the primetime game is trash. Well, don't worry. You've got Florida State-Louisville in primetime, too, so you can switch over. You'll be all right. Let's just put it this way. In my multi-TV setup, Michigan-Iowa will be the game that has no sound on it. That's what we're going to do there. Um, But, no, for me, listen, I think this game, this Oregon-Washington game, is going to be way closer than people think, way closer than Vegas thinks. I am not buying into this narrative that Oregon is significantly better than Washington. We've He's seen this buying in the trap. This is we've Don't seen place this, the bet people. We've seen this all year. Washington has been doubted and underrated against a bunch of teams this year and they still get it done. But if we know anything about the underrated team, it always catches up to them at some point. Yeah. Whether it's in the college football playoff or not. Which is where I think it would catch up to Washington if they're depending on how this plays out. So you're right? giving them an extra week. Yeah, I do, because I think they know how to beat Oregon. They at least know how to be in the game. Well, they, they did beat Oregon, right. one, so they do know how to and beat And they know it. how to be in the game with Oregon, right? Like, I, I I, think you might see if they end up playing an Alabama or a Georgia that they get the TCU treatment, maybe not to the same extent, but kind of what, what we've seen there in the past. I don't think Oregon's going to do that to Washington because of the familiarity there. They know, what's go- they know what to expect and how to deal with it. And also, Michael Penix is that good. Like, Michael Penix is that good that their defense – and listen, that's not to take anything away from Bo Nix because he's that good also. But Oregon's defense isn't stopping Michael Penix. They might still win that game, but it's not going to be because Michael Penix got shut down. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, hey, they made just enough plays to win that game. I think it's going to – I don't think it's going to be the 10. I'm not going to give away my pick yet, but I don't 
10 is too many. That is so too many points. I'm with you. I would choose Oregon-Washington. That's my favorite game um, of the weekend. Not, it is one of mine, too. Yeah. Um, I think Alabama and Georgia, if we asked, uh, if we pulled 100 people, if this was Family Feud, oh, sure, yeah, this yeah. Would, yes. Alabama-Georgia would be the number one answer. And it's my two, but it's I agree the, the general public probably puts that first. Then you would have Oregon. Then, yes, Shane, you would have – I would say you'd probably have Florida State-Louisville, then Texas-Oklahoma State, just because, again, we're talking about a giant point spread from Texas to Oklahoma State. Yeah. And if you, if you really have any interest in the college football playoff, mm-hmm. the Florida State game is a must. T- well, not just that. It can really decide who's in and yes, who's out. Absolutely. It's a must watch. So that is why they get the edge over Texas, even though Texas can also decide who's in, who's out. But Florida State is like the one that if they lose, they're, of course, out. But if they win, I still think they could be out. I think there's a scenario. But here's the, pro- here's the problem with Texas is – even if they win, it guarantees nothing. Florida State, I know you don't think it guarantees them anything either, but it is more of a chance for them to make it if they win than if Texas wins. Texas still needs some help, right? They need Alabama to win. They need Oregon to win. They still need some help to get into that position. But And, and Florida State is, is a much smaller point mm-hmm. spread as well, so you're probably going to end up having a better game there. I don't necessarily expect Oklahoma State to put up a big fight here like it might be close early but I think Texas with what they have on the line is going to be able to get up for this game and take care of business I'll I'll be quite honest with you Oklahoma State shouldn't even be here the only reason Oklahoma State is in this game is because they got the win against Oklahoma earlier this year it should be it it should be Oklahoma Texas yeah it should be a rematch of the Red River rivalry which I hate saying because there's too many R's and L's (laughs) So I'm going to say it slow and stupid every time. Uh, But we can all agree, Michigan-Iowa, the least interesting game of the day. And I am putting that behind Tulane and SMU. So that's hot hot garbage. Hot garbage. I mean, shoot, I'd rather watch the MAC. I I literally am more excited about watching Liberty and New Mexico State because I love Jamie Chadwell. Mm -hmm. Somebody hire my guy, Jamie Chadwell. Duke, I'm looking at you. Hire Jamie Chadwell. Well, speaking of coaches that need – need to be elevated from group of five to power five watch the sunbelt championship game all i'm saying is check out a little troy football they are five and a half point favorites and john summerall has been super successful early on in his troy career expect to see his name getting tossed around if not this season next season sunbelt more like fun belt one of our other guys James Madison just got, Kurt Signetti just got that Indiana job. We'll see him up close and personal in the Big Ten. Uh, coming up next, I have a super stupid question to ask Andrew here on Herd Out Sports Radio. We're halfway through the show here on Herd Out Sports Radio. I am about to ask Andrew a very dumb question, but you know what is not stupid is making sure that your hands are on the wheel, eyes are focused straight ahead. As a driver, you have one job, and that is to drive this message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Don't get distracted by stupid questions from your co-host while you're driving. That is the most important thing. All I do is think about stupid things while I'm driving, <laughs> so that actually fits my mantra. Yeah, you got you got to focus up, my guy. So here's my stupid question, okay? <laughs> Hit me with it. I am rummaging around on the Internet yesterday because that's what one does when you host a daily radio show, and you're like, what should we talk about tomorrow? Uh, Reddit I, is one of my best friends. <laughs> Reddit, Twitter, all of the all of the 
all the places where dumb ideas go on the internet, um, which is, to be fair, most of the internet, as we talked about earlier today. <laughs> but I ran across this, uh, this I think it's called Midwest versus Everybody Twitter account. Nice. And they, uh, they tweet a lot of Midwestern-y things that speak to me as someone who's born and raised here in Omaha, Nebraska. And one of the... Uh, one of the things that they tweeted out yesterday was something to the effect of, uh, you know, Midwestern drivers for real have PTSD about potholes because they'll see a crack and swerve like they're trying to avoid, you know, like they're driving down the roads of Baghdad and they're trying to avoid the craters, <laughs> right? And I, I thought about this and I was like, you know, it's kind of like when quarterbacks kind of start seeing ghosts in the pocket a little bit. Because you know me, I always equate things to stupid sports things. And so I, I text you last night, and I go, hey, what's the everyday equivalent of a quarterback seeing ghosts in the pocket? And you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, I'm like, you had me thinking, but you got to lead you're me like, like a little like, bit further. Lead me to the water, Robbie. We need <laughs> a little bit more here. So I gave you the pothole example. We kind of went back and forth a little bit. And so I asked you this, because we didn't – we didn't complete the assignment because uh -huh. we like to leave some things uh, to, to be surprised on the air here. What did you come up with that is like an – because, you know, if, if you're a quarterback, you get hit a couple times, maybe you start dancing around a little bit, you start leaving the pocket before you have to, you've got a clean pocket and you take off running anyway because you're kind of seeing ghosts a little bit. You don't, you don't trust your eyes and you get a little paranoid about what's happening around you. What are some of the things that you came up with in everyday life that sort of mimic that feeling? Well, I'll tell you this. First, I want to side with Midwest drivers for a hot sec. And I, when I say a hot sec, I'm going to get on the train and then I'm getting right off because <laughs> I'm going to tear down a Midwest driver here, too. As somebody that has popped numerous tires sure. from either hitting a pothole or swerving away from deer that just happen to be running through the road, mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't knock people too much for trying to avoid that pothole because Listen, it, it is such an inconvenience well, whenever can, you pop a tire. I was like, it can rearrange your axle. It can tear your – like, I've seen some aggressive damage done by potholes, so I get it. But it's, it's more like, okay, you see the pothole, yes, you avoid it. But now it's like, oh, you see a little shadow on the road, and you're like, oh, no, I got to get out of the way. I'll tell you what, though, Midwest <laughs> – and here, here's where I'll come back to reality, planet Earth. Midwest drivers are – Horrible. Low rough. Low rough. Omaha drivers. Pretty bad. I know you guys are all listening to the show right now. We appreciate we you. We love you. Um, and maybe this doesn't apply to you, and you can decide if it does or doesn't. But Omaha drivers are horrible. St. Louis drivers are horrible. Midwest drivers entirely are just bad. Now, you could go to Chicago and be like, yeah, Chicago drivers are horrible too. They're bumper to bumper. There's horrible drivers everywhere. Yeah. But I experienced the Midwest drivers, yeah. so that's why I, I settle with Midwest we're drivers always, are bad. We're always biased towards the thing that we're in the middle of, whether positively or negatively. I will say this, and I've only driven in Chicago a handful of times. Chicago traffic is terrible. I don't think Chicago drivers are terrible. I think they know what they're doing. Like, I think they're very aware of, like, hey, this is what it is. We're going to be bumper to bumper. Everybody be chill. Like, yeah, you're going to have some outliers, but compared to here's and here's I don't know if anybody's ever chill in traffic. Well, yeah, chill relatively. We're grading on a curve here. <laughs> I because here's what I think happened in Omaha, right? Not that long, like within my lifetime and within my driving lifetime, the traffic in Omaha has gotten dramatically worse. 
So you have a bunch of people in Omaha who are used to driving around a city that didn't used to have this type of traffic, and now all of a sudden you do. And it is not something they were prepared for. They did not have a Corey Perry grooming them for success mm-hmm. as, a, as us being the Connor Bedard drivers of the world. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, never mind. I, I won't go any further with that metaphor. But, <laughs> but <laughs> the, I, I think that's the problem in Omaha is that the city and the traffic of the city kind of caught up with the size of the city at some point. And most people on the road, myself included, were not, did not learn how to drive in that level of traffic. Chicago has always been that. And so it seems like those people know what they're doing. Now, to be fair, I think most drivers everywhere are terrible. Like, I think that's the truth of it, is mm-hmm. people are just, they're distracted. Like our guys. And everybody else is terrible, but you're great. Yeah, I'm the best driver ever. No, but like our guys at the NDOT, they do a lot of the things they're not supposed to. They're not focused. They got people talking to them. They're looking at their phone. Mm-hmm. Our, people our, with Texas license plates do suck as well, Travis, who just chimed yeah. in. He said Dallas would uh, absolutely traumatize Midwest, uh, but just any Texas license yes. plate traumatizes I've me. been in Houston extensively. I, I can't speak to Dallas as much. I've been in Houston extensively. Like, they rise to the top of the bad drivers list. They are brutal. Well, the other thing Travis says is uh, you shouldn't swerve to miss a deer. That's more dangerous. And I completely agree. What people tell you is don't uh, don't swerve away because you could flip your car, yeah. you know, do whatever. But I'm let just me saying, t- in let my me- car versus a deer, I might end up with some damage, but I'm winning. Yeah, but I, I want people to realize this because you don't know until you experience it. When you're going on yeah. the highway, you're traveling 77 mm-hmm. miles an hour because I drive over 70. How dare you? I know. Human instinct is to miss yes, whatever's in absolutely, front of you. Absolutely, absolutely. In any situation, yes. a ball gets thrown at you, you're ducking. Yeah, if you right? if you just kind of see you're something not, like out of the corner of your eye, you're not expecting it, or it kind of flashes in front of you, your first instinct is to boom, get out of the way. It's like a foul ball that goes back to the screen, right? Mm-hmm. You're sitting first row. What do you do when you see a foul ball come back to the screen? You move because yeah. your your instinct is, hey, this thing's coming at me really fast. I need to get out of the way. That's why the Kobe no flinch moment against Matt Barnes is one of the like most iconic moments mm-hmm. of his career. He doesn't do anything, and that's the point. He just stands there, but what's up? And so that's that's my only thing to say about not swerving when something's in front of you because take – deer out of the equation and put person you're not just going to hit the person right yeah <laughs> yes just because they say hey you could flip Don't your swerve. car <laughs> so okay going back to what you were asking just so we can get to the point yeah so essentially what your the, the prompt is it's false pressures and how you react to them yeah correct? yeah so and kind of the paranoia it causes a little bit. so there's a couple of things there's one and i i may have mentioned this last night but i have gum in my car at all times okay because there's that worry of being so up close and personal, like sure. when you're having a conversation yeah. with somebody, that your breath is going to stink. Mm-hmm. So unless I have the gum, like, to just pop in, even if, like, you know, because if I'm talking from me to Shane, he, he no, doesn't he know if I yeah. have bad breath. Right. Even if I'm talking from me to you, no, I it's hard to tell yeah. if, like, somebody has bad breath. Yeah. It's really like if you're – You have to like, be, like, real close. Yeah, you're, real you're, up close You're and cuddling personal. with your wife or your fiancé, and you're just like, who? Yeah, like, what's happening here? Am, am I cuddling <laughs> a dragon? Or is this – Got Shrek here? What's you? going on? So you're, you're, you're sitting there on the couch. You're, you're so, reaching, you're reaching for gum all the time? No, it's it's more like when I'm going out in and public. I'm in public. Yeah. Uh, so, like, if I'm at the grocery store, right, in yeah. the checkout line, it's like, 
oh my gosh, is this guy going to judge me for having bad breath if I don't have like <laughs> gum? In? Yeah. And so it's like those are the false pressures I think you're thinking about. Yeah, Another absolutely. thing I just like that hit my brain was, you know, everybody has anxiety when they get up on like a stage to give a speech. Sure. And like even when you're in the crowd, you're never judging the person up there. Not Ever. usually, no. Ever. Like, yeah. the person, like, goes up. But the person that is in front of yeah. 100 people, just say, is, like, you know, shaking in their boots because they're thinking, oh, my gosh, all these people are judging me, which is why they say, oh, yeah, imagine everybody naked. Don't ever do that. Like, <laughs> That's weird. Don't yeah, be creepy. Don't, don't do that. That's a weird, like. It's a weird thing it's to a do. weird scenario. Don't to do that. To build in somebody's <laughs> mind. Uh but it's like the, the false pressures of being judged yeah. when you're not, like, in yeah. any way being judged. When you're judged. not actually under pressure. Right. Yes. Unless you're really screwing up and they're just like, what is happening? But they don't even say, like, gosh. <laughs> you're not going to get, like, heckled, it's right? It's like the SpongeBob. Oh, Lord, this guy <laughs> stinks. <laughs> like, you're not getting that. <laughs> Unless you're, like, a comedian and then you get a really, yeah, you know, right. but drunk Corey Perry at your event <laughs> that may, you know, get dismissed from the team because pull of his sponsor dollars. Um, one of them for me. Before we hop back into real conversations with Travis Ryer here for the Alabama, is I have to pee all the time, and so whenever I would have to go on a road trip, I would dehydrate myself for like at least a full day ahead of time because I was so self-conscious about asking people to pull over mm-hmm. to go to the bathroom. That's a that's a good one. And so like, and most people don't care. Mm-hmm. Like you have some people that are like really weirdly like aggressive about like we have to get there at this time and whatever but most people are just like yeah that's fine it's cool no big deal because like it's not every 10 minutes like every couple hours right it's it's still like not a big deal you're inconveniencing i'm so self-conscious about it that's my that's my chasing ghosts (laughs) uh coming up next we got travis ryer alabama football we're wrapping up hour number two here on herd at sports radio I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. We're on AM 590 ESPN Omaha and ESPN Tri-Cities as we continue previewing championship weekend and talking to the pertinent players in the college football playoff race. We bring in Travis Ryer from Bama Online covering Alabama football. Travis, how are you this morning? I'm great. How are you guys? Good. You're you're doing better than we are because you're still playing football. So that uh, <laughs> that's a good place to be. And they're I'd, always playing football. I'd be lying. Yeah, I, like, I, I can still remember Alabama being in that spot. Believe it or not, I've covered this team since 2003. So I think that was a four and nine in uh, Mike Shula's first season. So there was some. There's been some pain involved. I, I I understand, and I remember when Nebraska was Alabama. So it's we. Exactly. I think we've been on both sides of the equation. Back in '03, was that like the Freddie Millens team? Gosh, that may have been. That might have been a, after Freddie. Okay. Um, the year after Dennis Francione bolted for Texas A&M. And ah, you know okay. That goes for coaches that bolt for Texas A&M, but <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was a that was a rough stretch. That was. That was Brody Croyle. Oh, yeah. Right there. Three, four, and five. That's like right after Sean Alexander or right in Sean Alexander range? A little bit after Sean. Okay. You know, Sean was part of that 99 SEC championship. That's right. Before going on to the NFL. But, um, yeah, that was, uh, again, an era. Well, you know who else you had was D'Amico Ryan. Oh, that's right. Now the head coach of the Houston Texans. Yeah, he's pretty good. D'Amico was he was a great player, and really that 2005 Alabama defense, uh, because of what came after it with Saban, still doesn't get the props, the recognition I think it deserves because it was really good. 
Well, Travis, I'll stop walking down memory lane with you here. I could, <laughs> I could just name old college football players forever. So uh, we'll move on to what's actually happening now. Um, Alabama obviously kind of took that. They took that loss to Texas, and it mm-hmm. seemed like for a while people sort of forgot about them. But they have kind of sneakily been playing some of the best football in the country for a little while now. What changed for Alabama after that Texas game? Well, I don't even know if it was after the Texas game. I think it took the next week with an even worse performance. Oh, sure. The win, but played worse against uh, South Florida on the road than they did even uh, in the loss to Texas and Tuscaloosa. And I think at that point, uh, the decision was made definitively that Jalen Milrow is the guy at quarterback. Uh, It's up to Tommy Reese and this offensive staff to – you know, make it work with Jalen and not just make it work, but continue to incorporate and involve and evolve with him behind center. And that's what they've done to their credit. Uh, the offensive line wasn't especially good at that point in the season either. That's another area that has made strides. They kind of stumbled into a new starter at right guard and Jaden Roberts, who has been excellent since he's jumped in there at about midseason. And, you know, they took some, they took some lumps with a true freshman left tackle and Caden Proctor, but he has continued to improve as well. So I think mostly you look at the offensive side of the ball and, again, you know, how Jalen has continued to progress and, and improve as not just a, a, a passer, but, you know, how they've incorporated more of his legs into the offense and also his decisiveness in that area too. Travis, how much credit does Tommy Reese deserve for figuring things out with Jalen Milrow and getting this team to a point where a a win against Georgia very well could land them in another college football playoff? Yeah, I think it probably started with Nick Saban essentially telling Tommy Reese and the rest (laughs) of that staff, regardless of who you want or who you think should be the quarterback, it's Jalen. That's who we're going with. And it probably was clear to the rest of the offensive staff at that point, too. But um, yeah, since that point forward, Tommy has continued to add and sort of compliment Jalen in ways that really works with him and his skill set. And you know, we've seen some other guys, some other X-factor types like Kendrick Law at the wide receiver position. They use him almost like a Debo Samuel, a hybrid offensive player that you know has helped them become more difficult to defend. Uh, their receivers have been good. They've been consistent throughout the season. Jermaine Burton, Isaiah Bond, of course, from last week. But you know, throughout their rotation, they've gotten consistent play from those guys. So you know, it really started, in my opinion, with the receivers helping Jalen. But now you're seeing Jalen help his receivers because of that threat of his legs. Uh, but he's doing a good job of maintaining passer status for as long as he possibly can. Uh, before making decisions and boy that really puts defenses in a tough spot Travis let's talk about the madness that could ensue if Alabama wins Texas wins and Florida State wins Uh, is there any bone in your body that thinks an SEC champion won't be featured in the college football playoff and the reason I ask that is with Alabama being eight Georgia should slot out, Michigan would move to one, then you're either going to have Washington or Oregon. Is the ACC undefeated champion out? Is Texas out? And if Texas is out, how are they out and beat Bama? Like, how do you process the madness? 
Yeah, it, it, it's it's the worst nightmare, I think, for the committee. Uh, obviously, Georgia wins Saturday. That makes everything easy, mm-hmm. uh, at least in regards to Alabama. If Alabama wins, uh, that is, you know, that's sort of a uh, ground zero situation for, for those folks. So um, it is, even if Alabama wins with one loss, it is hard to envision the SEC being left out of the college football playoff because we haven't seen it to this point. And, you know, you are talking about a league that has produced spanning to even pre-CFP 13 of the last 17 national champions in yeah. college football. And it hasn't just been Alabama and Georgia. It's been LSU. You've seen Auburn win a national championship 12, 13 years ago. So uh, it, it is in a lot of ways. And, you know, it, you said it earlier. I, I think, you know, with Alabama after the Texas loss and then the performance at USF, a lot of folks, and I understand it, just sort of looked at Alabama as, well, we'll check back in with the Crimson Tide in 2024. I just don't know to the extent that committee members or folks out there have really circled back to check back in with Alabama. Maybe they did it last week. Maybe they checked back in and, you know, Alabama needs a, a touchdown pass on fourth and goal from the 31 to beat a 6-6 six and six Auburn team. Um, but it is. It, it, it would be, you know, I'd almost – I'd almost uh, not like it for the teams that do make it because I think then the narrative becomes, is, is it a valid tournament? Is it a valid four-team field if you don't have an SEC team in it? Well, Travis, if they wanted to make a pitch for their 12-team playoff being necessary, they're certainly <laughs> doing it this year. This is year. the year, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, it's too bad we can't bump that thing up a year and, and get every deserving party in. Uh, But looking at this week's game against Georgia, obviously Georgia not as dominant as they were in the last two years, but it seems like they've improved throughout the season. What are, where are some areas that you think Alabama has a chance to give Georgia some problems? Yeah, I think there's a couple of, I talk X factors, but on offense, Jalen Milrose legs uh, and what he can bring to that, uh, not just on a down-by-down basis, but when you start thinking about third downs and red zone, uh, those two areas you expect to be critical in a game like this, and that's where I think he can give Alabama an edge. Now, you know, if Brock Bowers is healthy, uh, then that's the, the Georgia version of it, or healthy enough to do what we've seen him do over the last two or three seasons. Uh, but I think that's where, you know, Alabama, again, with what Jalen can do, as a runner and a passer, not only as far as conversion plays, but explosive plays, because I think those are going to be tougher to come by. Again, when you think about Alabama's running backs this year, there's not that one guy that strikes you that way as far as the potential for 30, 40, 50-yard runs. And Georgia's got a defense that limits that anyway. Even if you do have that kind of guy, it's going to be tough. And I think the same thing for Georgia. So um, Milrow is the wild card in all of this. I I don't want to say he has to play perfect for Alabama to win, but if the guys around him perform at the uh, necessary level, he's got to certainly do his part. And uh, I think it starts with trying to establish that very early in the game that, you know, you are going to have to deal with multiple aspects with this guy uh, if you're going to be able to get the job done against the Alabama offense. 
Travis, got about a minute. Um, you know, branching off of that, Alabama expected to be without their starting running back and Jace McClellan. How much will his presence be missed, and how much do you see his absence impacting the outcome of this game? Jace is just solid. He really is. He's not spectacular again. Between him and Roydell Williams, their top two backs, uh, you're not talking about first or second day guys in the mm. NFL draft. You're not talking about Najee Harris or Josh Jacobs or one of those kind of guys, even Brian Robinson. But both are veterans. Both were part of 2020 national championship team, so they've been around. They know what this game's going to entail. And I think pass protection is going to be a big part of this too. So if Jace can't go, that's something you worry about. But I think Roydell Williams is another one of those fourth-year guys that can – jump in there and and help handle that so uh, you'd love to have jace this week but if you don't then i think roydell williams has to step up travis ryer from bama online letting us know what's going on on the alabama crimson tide side of things for this weekend travis we appreciate your time and uh, enjoy covering the game this weekend hey thanks guys see you travis travis ryer from bama online covering Alabama football and walking down a college football memory lane with me. I appreciate his indulgence at the start of that interview <laughs> as I just named random Alabama football players. Uh, coming up next, we've got our guy Mike Sodder here of Herd at Sports, his very own on Herd at Sports Radio. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Mike Sauter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mike Sauter. Oh man, you're gonna put me on the spot. Mike Mike Sauter. We're kicking off hour number three here on Hurt at Sports Radio on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri Cities, and for hour number three, we are on KFOR in Lincoln. We are joined now. I'm Robbie Lula. It's Andrew Rogers. We're joined now by our guy, Mike Sauter, our resident. Can we get Sauter's mic? I don't have him at all. I don't no. have you. There you are. Hey. There yeah, we go. Uh, Mike Sauter, our resident Introduce bas- yourself. basketball guy here at uh, Herd at Sports. I know you've been busy with the – well, let's start with last week because you were in Kansas City. Uh, what was last week? 
KC, baby. Yeah, you were in Kansas City. You were Thanksgiving. That was last week? I think so. Oh, yeah. Right? That was last that week. That was last week. It feels like it was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, that was. Well, Sonner wanted to forget that trip, so thanks for bringing No, I didn't care. <laughs> no, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, I just had to be with Jacob Padilla the whole time. You That's, that part sucked. The other <laughs> parts, it's fine. That's rude. Don't do that, that Jacob. <laughs> Did he drive well? I, yeah. I mean, on the drive. That's a no. I would, no, it's fine. No, they Jake, made it there and back alive. That's the goal. We are fine. I will tell you the, I just zoned all the way out for about two hours of the drive on the way back, and just like put my earbuds in and was just scrolling TikTok for. I was in the TikTok hell rabbit the hole. The Twilight Zone. Oh yeah, I call it the TikTok Twilight. I was zone. just like nice. random. Nothing because the was, time just evaporates. You're yeah. in there and you're like, it's been two hours. I'm not, I have no, I just need to kill time. I, he's listening to his basketball podcast, it's fine. Like, listen to a little bit of that too, is great. Besides the sun's part, and then, um, <laughs> and then I just was, I was like, all right, I'm done. It's been a long <laughs> haul here. Not with this podcast. I'm just saying mentally, I was just ch- I was yeah. done. I was you over. need a little mental break. That Thursday, which was Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. was the 24th day and 22 of 24 days that I wasn't home for dinner with my family. So I was done. <laughs> like, I was just like checked all the way out. So for sure, yeah, it was fine. But no, it, it was a good trip. I th- I enjoyed it. It was. So- uh, let me I saw Isaiah Steve, my my guy, Isaiah Stevens my guy. in person. He's your guy. <laughs> I am. No, you've been high on him. Wowzers. Uh, he really is good. so good. He's so, so good. Let's go back to that real quick just because you were there. I'm curious if it looked different in the arena than it did on TV. And obviously the worst game Creighton's played all year. Oh, yeah. um, what, like in, as you're watching it, what happened? Was it, was it? Creighton just ice oh. cold. Was Colorado State locking them down that aggressively? Like, what happened? Yeah, I, I think it just was they just missed shots. Mm-hmm. And a team that is built to make shots like that, like they're going to shoot a bunch of threes, and they're just built that way. Mm-hmm. They're not built – this team is not built to have a, a ball handler or two that just gets to the rim and gets fouled and gets to the free throw line. That's just not how they're built. So – um, they just missed shots. I think primarily that was one. Now, you know, you look back, one of the concerns of it is they don't have anyone that if they're not making shots, can't, like a Nemhard, could just get to the rim, get to the line, or create for others. That's just not – but, again, that's just not how this team's built. Trey is close to that. He isn't yeah, fully that, but, but he's close. Yeah. If his mid-range is going, he can provide yes. a decent amount of that. It just looks different than Nemhart, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. He's not the downhill driver, right? He's and more of the methodical work his way in, find a spot, turn and around. And he'll do a turnaround mm-hmm. jumper, that turnaround like little fade, little fade jump that yeah. he has from about eight feet. You look yeah. just like him. It was, yeah, <laughs> was good. pretty good. So pretty good. what, in, in your uh, kind of diagnosis, what – can Creighton do to give themselves more of an option two or three if they're not shooting the ball well because they don't have that hyper quick guard to get into the lane and and kind of create that way 
Like, I, I think they have some guys that are more capable than they showed against Colorado State. Right, for sure. Um, is it Like, just Ashworth had a huge game last night. Yes, so and did like, a lot more of getting into the – Right. I think that's, that's is something Is it a mindset that, switch as much as well, anything? Well, I think it's just they needed a little adversity. Okay. And then they found it, and then they – you know, now you're just – so you're saying no. they weren't going to go undefeated? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know what? Let's let's just be frank. There are people that, that Colorado that. State. That Colorado They're State. They're good. Loss, they beat Colorado. Well, it's going to age well. Yeah. yeah. Colorado State well for this team. Yeah. Colorado. The way it looked is not going to age well, but mm-hmm. the fact that they took that L is not going to kill them in the no. non-conference. You know, in three months when we're talking about seeding and whatever. No, and it'll be fine. They're fine. Like there's. But but we know this. Creighton lives and dies by the way they shoot the basketball. Mm-hmm. And so those performances, which you could see in the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. will always result in an L. Right. Because they're just not built, like Sauter said, to withstand those moments. But they also, like, I mean, they can figure it out, though, too, pretty quick. They're, they're, they're still pretty good. So that's my question is, uh, in years past, because Andrew's right, in years past with teams, not the last couple of years. So because much, you're, you're also, okay, so if – Trey go he'll never go one of fourteen again from the field. I like would bet against probably that. Will yes. be never yeah. But if that happens, Baylor's you need not Baylor go three to three of seventeen. Or yeah, and Baylor went. that happened. Yes. Baylor like they both missed. Like I'm telling you, wide. Yeah, open. when it was bad, it was under bad. the basket. No one around you layup. I think they were so, four of thirty-two combined. That's never gonna four of thirty-one, f- something like that. Um, I Ash- think that's a like kick the can down. That one's just like. Meh. Just yeah, it's like yeah. hey, let's try and take flush our lessons and, and flush and it. And they did. It looked like they did play good. De- I didn't watch the entire game. I did watch a little bit. I was in high school yeah. last night, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah, but it, it looked like they flushed it a little bit. So I, I, I think they'll be all right. I mean, you look at guys like Isaac Trout still is capable of. I mean, they love him in that. Yeah, he was corner, like a top sixty they? player in the country. They like, love him in the corner, don't they? People forget about. He can that. really shoot it. Yeah. I mean, Mason Miller's. I I also I don't know this for a fact, but I also think the illness thing probably hit the team a little deeper that's than what what I thought too. led to believe that looked like a team that did not feel well. They were tired, yeah. Um, Which I'm not making excuses. Colorado State's good. Isaiah Stevens is awesome. Yeah, like he's this. so good. Gosh, he was so good against Colorado. Uh, what uh, what's today? Friday. That mm-hmm. was what Wednesday. Yeah, yeah right? just the other night. Oh man, like. I I love watching him play. He is awesome, and he is six foot guard, point guard, and like you know, if undersized, you play like that. Yes, <laughs> like, absolutely. Be that guy. Um, anyway, so Sunday. Yeah, so Sunday you've got Nebraska and Creighton coming up at Pinnacle Bank Arena. That's gonna be fun. I assume you'll be down there. Um, I assume our guy Jacob will be down there as well. I will be there. Um, yes. be covered all over her at sports. Yes. So make sure this. You- if they if Nebraska wins, there will be eight no. It's a legitimately huge opportunity for it Nebraska. Is. And be, it's listen, a, it would actually be a good win for Creighton too. It would be the it would not tie because right now they're tied for the third best start in school history. It would be the third best start in school history. Nineteen fifteen, nineteen sixteen, they were nine and zero. 1977, 1978, Nebraska was 10 and 0. That is the best start in school history. Not sure they can get that far. Can they win on? Can Nebraska win on Sunday? Yes. Yes, they can. Well, they're physical. And I think and, and they that's both. How they I think win. this game is going to be really close. I, I, or, I don't know. The line is probably going to be. 
any under five, I would say you for think? Creighton. Yeah, just because it's in. I was thinking right about six in so Lincoln. It's in the neighborhood in Lincoln. Nebraska's right? undefeated. Nebraska's undefeated, yeah. receiving votes in the AP poll. I also the matchup is pretty good for Nebraska. Yeah, it's not terrible. It really isn't. There's the way they're built. There's been years where the matchups for Nebraska have not been great. Um, I think Nebraska actually has some pieces to give some interesting looks at to Creighton that, you know, if you've got um, if you've got Mast out there and Alec and, and there's some there's some size there for Nebraska that could give Creighton issues. Um, I'm, I'm I also look. OK, so Creighton plays a drop D, right? Yeah. With with Kalkbrenner. Mask and is very capable. Yeah, he can he can beat. Well, you I on like that. his baby hook. Right. His well, I'm saying he's very nice. capable of hitting a three if they're dropping. That's what I mean. They yeah. can, he well, can beat too. you on that. So I don't know. So if, you, if they're going to start put trout switching. on him. I don't know if you put That's trout on him mean. or. I would put trout on him. But then. I'm not. The okay. co- I'm not. I'm, I'm not the coach. I would be very honest. You, but that's what I would do. You I don't would coach for Creighton. No, oh. absolutely not. Uh, no, but no. I, I mean, that, that makes sense because you probably don't want Kalkbrenner running around, running around all yeah. night. Mm-hmm. You want to keep him as close to the basket as possible. Not that and he's try not and pull him away. That's just that little minor cat and mouse game is going to be huge. And what do they do when Juwan Gary enters the game? Alec, like, and Gary can switch everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially on the Creighton roster, he can switch everybody. So like, and basically everyone can switch. They're very inner Bryce They're Williams very can switchable. Inter- yeah, yeah, like every Jamarcus Lawrence can switch. Everybody, everybody, everybody can switch. Which so. anytime you get someone, I get those guys are switchable, but anytime you get one of the more perimeter-oriented guys switched on to Kalkbrenner, Creighton's going to have to be really good at finding that and taking advantage of that. But on the other side, they're going to have to do a really good job of making sure Kalkbrenner doesn't get left out on an island on the perimeter defensively. He's shooting the three yeah. well. And you're going to have to make sure that you keep him where he is most effective yeah. on the floor. Because it's How not do you that do he's, that, though? It's, right, that's the million-dollar question. Because that's Alec is capable, too. Right. And then, again, Gary comes in for if you sit Alec and, and then – You know what it sets up for, and I know – know what it sets up for? It sets up for Sam Hoiberg and – Stephen Ashworth going at each other, the like <laughs> listed at six the, foot the five, point guards the five, that are nine really five guard. foot two. It's <laughs> exciting. The high school program. Yeah. <laughs> so here's uh, that that's that's just <laughs> if Ashworth versus Hoiberg yeah. Sunday at PBA. Well, that's gonna be Hoiberg's kind of been there. Both of those guys. Hoiberg's yeah. kind of been their lockdown defender no, guy I, off I the know. bench, though. Um, it's so here's here's what it sets up for yeah. in my mind defensively for Creighton is it sets up to throw some zone out there to oh, keep yeah. to keep Kalkbrenner at the rim. Haven't seen it. You haven't seen it I yet. Know. But you know it's something that they work on. You know it's something that they have in and their bag. Three two. Some three two, some two three. Could see some three two. Maybe a two two one at two, times. Two, one two two one. One one, th- one three one. One three one be. would work at times. Yeah. Um, a lot of these are just sort of slight variations of the same thing. But Nebraska yeah. as a team just under 35% from three. That's a good number. That's, that's not a number. That's s- almost hitting the mark. That's not a number so high that you're like, we can't Scared. throw a zone out. No. Right? Yeah. If, they're thro- if they're shooting 37, 38%, yeah. you're probably like, the, the metric probably for, don't want to do that. So the metric, the, the like sweet spot is I, I, 36 to 42. Mm-hmm. So if you're on the high end of that, holy cow, your team Incredible. can really yeah. shoot the three. But if you're at 35 is like, 
solid. 34 and a half is right. Yeah. Very solid. It, you, if you're at 36 or higher, now you're like, yeah, we definitely can zone these guys. Yeah, you're in a that, – that team can it, – it, yeah. straight so up. So, they're straight. close. Uh, for reference, Creighton's right at 40 yeah. as a team. So Creighton's on the higher end of that level. Played one real team. Nebraska's on. Listen, I'm just saying, compare it. I'm just comparing Two. the stats, man. Um, three, three. Sorry, Iowa. Nebraska play. The, the one, not half a one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a Oregon State is real not good. <laughs> yeah, you you <laughs> like, said that to the group while you're at that game. You're like Oregon State. This is like three minutes into the game. You're like Oregon State is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think Duquesne was better than Oregon Duke, State. for sure. <laughs> like, Duquesne's probably the best team Nebraska's played. Yeah, so let's maybe not throw stones. Duquesne's good. I'm, uh, Duquesne's <laughs> good. It's, it's that may fine. be one of the only times we ever say that. Duquesne is good. Listen. if <laughs> This is going to be the cutout on social media. Duquesne that's, is that's good. That's the podcast I, title. I'm going to give you, like, uh, real truth here. Before the season, I thought, oh, my gosh, Creighton is going to beat Nebraska by 20. Then about a week into it, I was like, eh, Creighton's still going to win, but it'll be about probably like 15, 10, 10 to 15. Let's go with 12. And then Colorado State happened. And I was like, oh, maybe about, you know, five, six. And now I've talked myself all the way into believing it is a 50-50 game and it'll be like a – I have no idea who's going to win, which is great. And, hey, I don't care who wins. I really don't. I don't care who wins. Someone asked me last night, high school game before the game, who you got? And I looked at him and I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah, Robbie doesn't <laughs> care who wins like, Do not. Ravi cares. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Sauter, don't care who wins. Never do Mike's when up. I go to a game. If, if we revisit that line, Mike's like, I don't care who wins, go Nebraska. But who knows? <laughs> like, this one could be close. I will say this. My kid – wore red today because they have color wars red and blue so because for this game yeah mm-hmm. and i was like i no i don't i was like I, I got i was like i got nothing for you Leighton, you're <laughs> on your own i'm not she goes who do you want to win i go i i i don't i don't really care and then she you're was like but, i hope they both have fun and then she yeah and I then then it was more like well what do you well, if you could choose who – this was this morning, eating cereal. It was like – she goes – What you, kind of cereal? I had Lucky Charms today. Okay. So um, she's, she's like, if you could choose, who would you choose to win? And I said, Layton, I'm just trying to eat my cereal. I don't know. <laughs> right now it's getting soggy. Layton, I didn't have a lot of marshmallows because you've been pulling them out of the box on your Layton, own. Layton, I, I slept three and a half hours. I don't really care who wins. <laughs> <laughs> and it is 6.45 in the morning. Or 7, sorry, it's more like 7.20. I was like, I don't even care if they actually play the game. They could cancel it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, I do care about that. <laughs> I, I, we, we, so on this. No, it'll be fun. We're going to, we'll fun. have a ton. I, Jacob will have his Creighton uh, slant, and then I'll do my Nebraska side, and then we'll do our final thoughts after the game, which probably be a lot longer. Um, a than longer than normal? Well, they're about six, five to seven mm-hmm. minutes when him and I are together. Yeah. On it. But we'll probably uh, dive a little deeper, and we might even do like a – I might talk him into doing a post-game, like live 
Twitter thing or something. Do it. Oh. There do we it. go. Why not? I got uh, we do it live on so Twitter. That'd be fun. I got a quick question for, for Sauter, and I hope it, you wanted to change directions here. That's well, all right. Real yeah. quick, real okay, quick before you change directions, make sure you go to Hurt at Sports to catch all of yeah, we'll Mike and Jacob's coverage. Uh, Hurt at Sports on all social media. Just make sure you check that out because they will have a ton of stuff for that Nebraska-Creighton mm-hmm. game. Go ahead. Okay, because it, it's a tie-in to Nebraska and Creighton. Nebraska side of things on the high school side, you have Britt Prince who went – that's crazy. crazy. Last night. She outscored an opponent. Anytime you can outscore your opponent, right. that's ridiculous. By yourself. And, and she, yeah. she's just ridiculous in itself. What a find. What a, what a steal Nebraska women's basketball has with her. And then, you know, on the well, – it's the not mid- a steal. I mean, they kind of they, – uh, I mean, she could have gone anywhere is what I mean. She could have gone anywhere. And yeah. so, since it's Nebraska stole her away from other schools, that's how I attributed oh, okay. it in my head. I attribute it to, like, oh, they found looks unheralded prospect right. okay. that's going to be awesome. Sure, That's not sure. true. So, okay. anyway, go ahead. Was yeah, yeah. Uh, but then on Creighton's side of things, it, it was Josiah Dotzler last year that was like, hey, he was the top boys basketball player. Mm-hmm. Like, he was the highly coveted mm-hmm. player. Still Britt Prince this year. But mm. on the men's side, and I bring this up, too, because I'm going to Brian. Yeah, uh, yeah on the boys' side, yeah. um, I'm going to Brian's, Brian this weekend. Mm-hmm. Is it as simple as Amari Bynum? Is the Josiah Dotzler of this year, or uh, could somebody else give him a run for the Well, money? he's just a junior, so the senior class is pretty much done. Um, no, but I mean for, like, best boys basketball player. Oh, the he's state. the best prospect. Pro- the I, I need I need to very much so. so there's like, a difference between yes. a, the best prospect and the current best high school basketball Very player. much so, yes. yes. Like – when I I tried to explain this to people a lot when we had Hunter and Chucky and people were whatever I said Chucky, Chucky right now is the high best school basketball yes player. Hunter was the better prospect correct yes. there is a difference yeah. and people it's really hard for people to think differently because they all they look at is box score well and it's it's kind of like we talked about this year with high school football right like Carter Nelson is the best football prospect in the state is he maybe. <laughs> uh, Ratings-wise, he's the best football prospect in the state, physically, whatever. Anthony Rizak or Caleb Benning, to me, are best the best players in this the state. year. Yes, not right to say now. they aren't good prospects, right. because I think they both are very good prospects. Right, there's a there's, difference that's between the difference between yeah. you know, yeah. again, production or raw talent. Yeah. And so yeah. you have Amari, who's the best prospect. Amari's who's the best the prospect best player on the boys' side in the state. This Regardless year. of the class, yeah, uh, the best senior is Jaden Jackson. Bellevue West. West. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's the best shooter. Uh, best. He's the best player. Um, I don't know. Trace Anderson is going to put up massive numbers. Now he had twenty one and probably twelve or something against Miller North last night. I haven't seen a final box score for that yet, but um, he did have twenty one. I know that, and he was pretty dominant in the post. And playing against the competition he's going to play against this year. He should be very dominant. He should be 20 and 12, which is pretty dang good. Um, but I, I, I think Jaden Jackson's the best player in the senior class. Senior class is a, to, is a little dip, right? Like, mm-hmm. we don't have any have two Summit League guys. Uh, Will Cooper's going to Air Force. You know, other than that, it's NAID2E stuff. Um, so there's only – handful you know it's not like there isn't anyone going high major um but that ne- amari bynum is crazy Sca- I, his talent level is awesome like he is that pra- i could i was practice on uh tuesday at brian i was just like at one point i was uh, my, i was just like oh my god <laughs> like 
I was just staring at him like, you know, your like, jaw drops right. and you're just yeah. like, he's doing a drill shooting from the elbow, the elbow or the pin. Like that doesn't, you know, people don't really do that. And I even after the, in the middle of the drill, I walk up to Galen Goley, head coach, and I go, hey, are you guys going to let him shoot that elbow jump? Because a lot of times, you know, yeah. depends on philosophy, you, you don't want him to. He goes, H-E double hockey sticks, yes. And I was like, okay, because I just counted, and he was 18 of 20 from that elbow on the left side. And on the right side, he only missed three shots in like a, you know, 20-some shots, mm -hmm. right? Like, That's pretty good. How and many then, points and then he stepped back, And then he stepped back to the wing, and he made like 17 of 22. And I'm like from three yeah against air right sure that's still. still hard to do on air yeah like so i he is so talented he's the he's the most talented prospect in nebraska right now i i don't bryson ball's really good mm -hmm. got a chance to be really good got a chance bryson ball has a chance to be a high major player too like very much so does okay um he's you know he's got south dakota state and omaha lawford bryson ball but he's got a chance to level up that i i firmly believe he can get there um it's just not there yet but i you know i trace anders the anderson will be the most dominant as far as statistics are concerned mm -hmm. there's a difference mm -hmm. between yeah. those things um but i will tell you this miller north last night went two pious one by 20 and they didn't have their starting point guard who has started for them the last two years. That Oh, by the way, what happened those two years? Uh, state Major state, state, championship yeah, the state championship game. So they didn't have their starting point guard, Eli Gaith, who's played varsity a ton of games and big Great games player. and all that. He did not play last night. And they beat Pius by 20. And Pius, if Pius is the best team in Lincoln, it's probably them or Southwest, maybe Southeast, if Pius is the best team in Lincoln, the gap is really big Enormous. between Lincoln and Omaha. Yeah. Like, real big. Last year, everyone remember? Like, last year, everyone, that was, Lincoln is back. And Kinda we're here. And yeah. we're there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> like, right now, we'll find out tomorrow, though. Carney goes, Carney, or, uh, sorry, Southwest and Omaha Westside play tomorrow. On Saturday at Lincoln Northeast. Okay. South Lincoln Southwest Westside at Lincoln Northeast at like two 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 thirty. That's a big game for like that bragging rights. Like, I think Westside's the team that is getting totally overlooked right totally now. Slept on? I, I really do. Oh, and no, prep is don't go starting about Westside. Also now. prep is awfully, awfully, awfully good. Prep is really good. And Gretna beat Southeast by like twenty last night too. That's our guy, Mike Sauter. He will be uh, at Lincoln on Sunday. We'll talk to you then. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Welcome back to Hurt at Sports Radio. I super don't have... Almond bark covered pretzels in my mouth. Give me a second here. <laughs> Bad timing there, Robbie. It was my fault. I lost track of time. You know what? Shane told me. It's okay. I need I need one of our great sponsors out there. 
like maybe the beanery mm. by chance to bring us some uh, some of their fantastic breakfast items someday. Mm. Um, I was listening to my one of my other favorite non sports shows. Live taste test. Yeah, non sports shows mm-hmm. in St. Louis. It was uh, the podcast version because they're a morning show as well, and they had one of their partners bring in deli sandwiches for them, mm. and I'm like, huh. What it would be like to like stuff my face while I'm doing this show, so that's the only reason why I just yeah, connected it would, the. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time I've done that. Uh, Peppermint a, bark pretzels. Man, they're good, and they're pretzel thins too, yeah. which makes them even better. Yeah, because you get a better like bark to to pretzel ratio. Um, the yeah, I'm terrible about that. I try and when I'm eating uh, during breaks, I I always think I can get one more bite in, and I almost never can. So that's what just happened there. We're on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln. Speaking of our terrific sponsors, our friends over at War Horse Sportsbook, it is time for the sports cleanup, which we're going to turn into some sports picks today, although there are a couple things I want to clean up there as well. But just a reminder, you can go to Lincoln, go to the casino, make your sports wagers there, or in Omaha, Horseman's Park, 6303 Q Street, you can make your wagers there as well. You can bet on nearly every major sporting event, straight bets, parlays, props, live in-game bets, all accepted. Go to warhorsecasino.com slash sportsbook or get the Warhorse Casino app for all details and a full list of house rules. Uh, So before we get to our picks, Andrew, Mm -hmm. there is, you mentioned earlier. Uh Uh-oh. I don't remember if this was off-air or on-air. I always kind of, I, you know. My head goes uh, a million directions, so I don't know if it was on-air or off-air. I don't either. Uh, We were talking about the Florida State-Louisville game. And how Tate Rodemaker is in the concussion protocol. Yeah, that was off air. So you were making you were making your picks for your little, your league that you do. Mm-hmm. We I was making picks for our show, and I do a kind of friends pick 'em league as well. And I think we were, we were both thinking, yeah, we think Florida State wins this game. It's only minus one and a half. Tate Rodemaker's played pretty well in the last couple of games, and then it comes out there, and then you tell me you're like, hey, I think he's still in concussion protocol, and so we're kind of looking at it, and then. Terrible news for me. Oh, no. I, well, so I'm, I'm probably being paranoid. Maybe I'm chasing ghosts like we talked about in the 830 hour. But the name Brock Glenn is trending. Uh-oh. And you don't know who Brock Glenn is, do you? No. I wouldn't have, except for directly after that conversation off air, I was like, wait, who is Florida State's oh, third string no. quarterback? Don't tell me that Rodemaker's not playing. We don't know for sure. But Brock Glenn is trending. It doesn't look promising. Here's what we know about Brock Glenn. He is a four-star prospect out of uh, the 2023 class, so very young. Tell me some better news other than four-star. That's all I got for you. Oh, no. He did have offers from Ohio State as well, Auburn, TCU. He was a reasonably highly coveted prospect. Um that's all I have. You had an LSU offer. Uh, that's all I have for good news. How many kids of his age of with with that little playing experience, which is zero. Yeah, I believe none. Into a conference championship game have lit the world on fire. Not a lot. Not a lot. And because of those percentage points and having Florida State at 10 in my pickums this week. That's high. That's pretty high. I have all. I always put the college teams high, yeah, because those that I play with don't know as much about college football or talk about it mm-hmm. as much as we do. I put Florida State that high because that's going to be a way for me to 
maybe steal some points back that I lose on NFL. Would you like to guess how many passes he's thrown this year? One. Four. Oh, at least he's won four times he's, that number, like Deion Sanders for sports de- person he, of the year. He just Deioned you on that one mm-hmm. 400% more. He has uh, 35 total passing yards. Okay. No picks, though, so that's okay. nice. What was his completion percentage on those four passes? Two for four. Okay, 50%. I like where we're going. Uh, he was 0 for 1 against Florida, but he was 2 for 3 against North Alabama. Oh, no. It's not bad. It's a it's a first down each uh, not, first down each pass. Robbie, I don't know it's if Shane knows, good. but North Alabama isn't the same as Alabama. Two oh, passes, shoot. two passes, thirty five yards. That's seventeen per per yeah. you know. So that's two first downs. So you're, you're you're doing good, Shane. We're not doing good here, Shane. Shane the Crimson Tide are different. It's a different team. Yeah, I believe in North Alabama. It's like the Panthers or the, it's some sort of large cat. They're not red. No, they're purple actually. Purple. Nope, they're the purple red. tide. Go go. Go perps. I wonder if, and this should be allowed, mm-hmm. but the sheets had to be submitted by Thursday. That's just how they do it because of Thursday night football, mm-hmm. which I did have the Cowboys at uh, 15. Ooh, nice. Uh, luckily. Yeah, that, was a, I mean, that game dude, was crazy. The Seahawks gave me a scare there for a while. Um, I wonder if I can like change edit? the pick. Yeah. If that's allowed because – no, it it, it's it. up to if everybody can change the right. pick then. Because if I change the pick and he n- says, hey, you know, if, if there's a game, or X, Y, and Z reason, he'll not, probably have to yeah. tell the league. Yeah. And then everybody's going to want to change the pick because I changed the pick. Unless they had it low already and were, or had Louisville or whatever. Um, so, yeah. So, Brock Glenn is trending on Twitter. I don't love it. So, there is one thing that I saw as we uh, continue our sports cleanup here. That there is a there's a rumor from a Florida State insider that the reason Tate Rodemaker is still listed as questionable slash in the protocol is because of the timing required. Mm-hmm. There is a there's a rumor from this source that is saying they believe Tate will start and that he just can't technically be cleared from the protocol yet, but he's fine. Like, he's done all the things that he needs to, but he just, from a timing standpoint, cannot be taken off of the protocol for five days or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So there's a chance that's what this is. I hope that rumor holds more weight than the Tony White rumor to USC. Yes, which... Uh, which li- lasted maybe <sighs> ten hours. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> it was exactly <laughs> what I thought. It was exactly yeah. what I thought. Leverage. All on the leverage, which is fine. I'm, I'm okay. Well, listen, we talked about the internet making stuff up earlier. Um, <laughs> it's okay. That's one thing I'm glad that the internet was just making up and that there was no truth to it. I'm hoping there is truth to this one. But um, either way, the backup in that scenario, I believe, would be A.J. Duffy, who was also a four-star in the, uh, let's see, 2022 class. So Florida State's gotten four stars in 2022 and 2023. Neither of them have played any appreciable. Well, the good news is if Florida State is forced to start their third stringer, Louisville has to do the same thing. I don't think that's the rule. That's not – you don't – No, what? I, don't, I don't think so. But Shane told me – Shane. Shane. So that's where – What uh, did I tell you? <laughs> nothing, Shane. It's okay. You just buddy. sit there and be quiet. <laughs> uh, it's, it's okay. Uh, so, yeah, that's, um, that's where we're at on that one. I'm a little, I'm a little scared. I'm a little concerned uh, because, and we'll we'll actually save the the pickums here for the 
So oddly enough, yeah. for pickums, I only have one of the Power Five games in my pickums. So I like picking the games I'm gonna watch, mm-hmm. and so I almost always skew. Well, I'm ra- watching nearly every y- game. Yes, but I'm definitely watching the major conference games and those ones. And so the ones that I'm gonna be most dialed in on, I like having a pick in, just because it kind of makes me feel like I've got a little stake in. Don't it. text me at all. Okay. This weekend. The reason I say that is because you're gonna have to I'm catch officiating, up. Yeah. and I'm recording the games, mm, yeah. and I'm not checking social media to see the outcomes of these games. Normally, I do that when I miss like a Cardinal game or yeah. a Blues game but if this I is really like want to see it. Conference Championship weekend. This I don't want to know. So, yeah. like, don't text me. I hope no one hits me up on Twitter or social media where I accidentally see a, Andrew, did you see that last second touchdown by (laughs) Bo Nix? I'm going to be like, uh, you're gone. Unfollowed. (laughs) Unfollowed. Mute. Um, I will be watching the Oregon-Washington game at 10 o'clock. Um, I will then be watching, what game's first? Is it Oklahoma State, Texas? Uh, The earliest game, I've got the schedule here. The earliest game tomorrow is Oklahoma State, Texas at 11. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the mid-afternoon game is Alabama, Georgia. Which that game I'll get to watch the beginning of. Yes. I won't get to watch the end. So I probably will check that score yeah. because I'd, I'd be invested at that point. Well, and all, uh, also if it like goes like a certain way and it's not interesting to watch, mm-hmm. like you don't want to And I'll probably time. do the same thing with Texas because yeah. Texas is such a heavy favorite. Yeah. But don't tell me about the Louisville game either. I won't. I'll like, tell so you about Oregon, Washington, and, and Louisville, Louisville, Florida State, don't tell me about because I'm say, watching them later. I won't say a word. Uh, coming up next, we will get our picks in for the week and wrap up the show heading into Conference Championship Weekend here on AM590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln. Welcome back as we wrap up the week, wrap up the show here on a Friday. Uh, Burz was unable to join us this week. We tried to move some things around, and um, he was unable to join us. So uh, we appreciate Burz as always, but we know he's a busy guy, so just wanted to give you a programming note there. Uh, but we did want to get to our uh, pickums. We were talking mm-hmm. about our Warhorse Sportsbook sports cleanup in the last segment. Wanted to get to our picks as well. Obviously a big uh, college football weekend here. You went a lot of non-power mm-hmm. conference games. All three of mine are power conference games. So let's start with one of yours. Let's do the first game of the entire conference championship weekend. Well, we Tonight's do, game at we 6. We're doing my Liberty. We're going with New Mexico State Liberty. I am leaning plus 11 in favor of New okay. Mexico State. The Aggies beat Auburn by 21 two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, smoked them. Who has Liberty played? Middle Tennessee. <laughs> Western Kentucky. <laughs> Guess who played those teams too? New Mexico State. They did. Guess who won those games too? New Mexico State. Yes, New Mex- Mexico State lost to Liberty already this season, but that was way back in week two. But is Liberty eleven and two and six and one as an underdog covering in ten straight? Mm. I don't think so. No. That's New Mexico State. Take the Aggies plus eleven. Now they are just twelve and zero, oh, the Liberty Flames. So I, you know, that is hard to argue with. I'm never going to bet against my guy Jamie Chadwell. You know that. I didn't pick this game. I don't love the number here uh, at plus eleven. So from a betting standpoint, it's a stay away from me. But if I'm just going on a money line straight up winner, I will take uh, the Liberty Flames just because I love my guy Jamie Chadwell. Well, you know what? You know I take this. Liberty too to win straight up, but those but with that the numbers, value that's is a big, horrible. It's a big number. Yeah. And when I can see eleven and two ATS on the year, and I could see New Mexico right? State winning, like I genuinely could. Six and one as an underdog, and they covered in ten straight games. Mm-hmm. 
you have to lean with the numbers here. You have to go with New Mexico State plus 11. Yeah, which is why it's a stay away from me because I do think Liberty's going to win, but I could see New Mexico State winning. I would, don't want to have anything to do with it, but uh, I like your play there. Uh, I'm going to stay with tonight's game as well. Mm -hmm. The other one tonight, Oregon and Washington. I'll hit on that one too. And I know you say it's a trap, and that's fine. That's fine. L listen, put me in the trap. I want Washington the plus points. I think Washington wins this game outright. I really do. I think they prove they deserve to be in the na the college football playoff. I believe, uh, listen, it's kind of like my guy with Jamie Chadwell. I'm a Kalen DeBoer guy through and through. I am going with Washington. Plus, it's back down to nine and a half. It's starting mm -hmm. to come down a little bit here. So there that must means people are uh, betting on Washington. Yep. So I am. I'm taking. They're, they're falling into the your, falling into your trap, <laughs> as you would say. <laughs> I will take Washington it's though. Trap, plus, man. listen, when I got it, it was plus ten. I'm staying at plus ten. So Oregon minus nine and a half would be my play. So uh, based on what you hear, you can either choose one or the other, or you can avoid it altogether and just enjoy the game. <laughs> uh, and yes. I feel this game's a trap because Oregon is 9-2-1 against the spread this season. And this is one of those rare occurrences, Robbie, where an undefeated top five team is getting more than a touchdown mm -hmm. in the conference title game. Two times before this has happened. In 2008, number one undefeated Alabama was plus 10 against Florida in the SEC championship game. Mm-hmm. Then in 2020, number two undefeated Notre Dame was plus 11 and a half against Clemson in the ACC championship game. Mm -hmm. Guess how those games ended? I'm going to say not well. Bama lost by 11. Mm -hmm. So minus 10 covered for Florida. Okay. And Notre Dame lost by 24. Whoo. So the minus 11 and a half covered for Clemson. History's play is on Oregon tonight. You take the Ducks minus nine and a half. I'm just saying uh, two times is a coincidence. If it hits tonight, I'll call it a trend. As is, I'm still going with Washington. That's what you call a winning streak. <laughs> hey, they still count, right? Uh, the, the other one for me uh, – oh, wait, you're next. Go ahead. Well, so it's a, uh, a non-con game, and it is at 2 o'clock. Okay. I say non-con game. Non-major conference. A non-major conference game. Is, I forgot to I put major in there. I knew what you meant. It's fine. <laughs> On Saturday, Boise State, UNLV. I grew up a Boise State fan, probably because sure. they played on a blue football yeah. field. But I'm taking – Big Jared Zabransky guy. I am taking the Rebels <laughs> tonight, plus two and a half. The UNLV, nine and three overall on the season, ATS – or I'm sorry – Nine and three overall in the season. That matches uh, up with the conference record of Boise State. Both teams are similar in terms of talent and skill. Where I'm going to get to the ATS number is now. UNLV is one of one of the best in the country at covering. I think they're second best. Mm -hmm. Ten and two on the year ATS. They're five and zero oh as an underdog. You take UNLV plus two and a half tonight or uh, tomorrow afternoon. So for me. Uh the next one I was going to have was Florida State-Louisville. Until I get a better picture on what's happening with Tate Rodemaker, that's a stay away. Mm -hmm. If Tate Rodemaker is healthy and playing, I'm going minus one and a half for I'd Florida State. I'd lay the points State. on FSU too. If he's not playing, it's a total stay away from me because I still think Florida State's better. But I have no idea what Brock Glenn is, and neither does anyone else because he's thrown four total passes. You know what could be nice, though, is if Rodemaker doesn't play – monitor the line movement because 
guaranteed Louisville will start getting a say, ton of plays, with, a ton of value. Yeah. You could get Florida State plus points, plus points, yeah. and even plus money line money because of it. So the one that I'm going to actually take is I think Alabama wins the SEC championship. I'm taking Alabama plus five here. Um, I just think they're playing really good football right now. I think Jalen Milrow's legs end up being a huge problem for Georgia. And their lack of dominance in terms of the way they have been defensively the last couple years, they're still very, very good. I'm going to go with Alabama. Uh, we're going to change gears here a little bit. Those are our picks uh, brought to you by Warhorse Sportsbook and Casino. Um, I'd like to take a minute to share something uh, just kind of of a personal nature because I always have prided myself on being transparent and genuine on the air. And it, it's just one of those times today where I feel like I need to do that. Um, and I'm going to start in a weird way, so, so hang with me here. Uh, one of the things I love about daily radio shows is the fact that day in and day out you have something that you look forward to and enjoy that you know is going to be there. Um, I loved that about radio when I was on the other side of the microphone, and I love it now that I do a daily radio show. There's something unique that happens when you spend that much time with anyone or anything. There's a fondness, a comfort, and even a love that develops. It's why when the Chick and Nick show went off the air all those years ago, I got a real bad case of those seasonal allergies when I, when I talked to or heard my friends talk for the last time. And that's before I knew either of them. Luckily, been able to meet both of them now, and they're just as great in person as they were on the air. Uh, and luckily, now you can hear them on Herat Sports Radio. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> same thing when Scott Van Pelt moved on from his radio show with Ryan Rossillo. I loved that show, and I was really sad not to get to hang out with my friends anymore. They become staples of your daily life. I say all this because I've been trying to put into context something that happened in my life this past week. And I will admit it's far from a perfect metaphor, but when you're hurting, you kind of just grasp for things around you that you can put a context to to help you make sense out of it. <clears throat> and I've been trying to make sense out of how heartbroken I've been this week after losing my dog Tallahassee. She was my first dog, <clears throat> and she was a perfect dog for me. So this is a new thing I'm experiencing. On Wednesday, for the first time in 11 years, I woke up to a world that didn't have Tally in it, and it saddens me to my very soul. The best thing about Tally is also the worst thing now that she's gone. She always was around. She was always near me. This dog had exactly three hobbies in life, eating, sleeping, and being wherever I was, even at the very end, when she could barely walk and illness had ravaged her aging body. She insisted on following me around the house. I had to either block her from following me when I was only gonna be gone for a minute, and if I was gone too long, I had to carry her to wherever I was going because she had to be with me. She was 75 pounds, so <laughs> that was not an easy feat, especially when we would go upstairs to bed. But if I'm being honest, I was doing it for me as much as I was doing it for her. Tally came into my life when I needed her in the worst way. I've dealt with anxiety and depression for most of my life and was struggling particularly badly at the time when I got her. Just the existence of Tally helped me almost instantly, and she continued to help me until I was ready to get the professional help that I needed. And her love never wavered for me in good times or in bad. 
it's not an exaggeration to say I may not still be here today if it weren't for my sweet tally girl. Our love for each other pulled me through my darkest times. So why am I telling you all this, right? There's a few reasons. First, she was too good of a dog for only me to know about it. And what's the point of having your own radio show if occasionally you can't be a little self-indulgent about the things you want to talk about? Second, from the response I've gotten on social media, I know how many of you have dealt with the loss of a beloved pet. And I want you to know that you're not alone. You're not the only ones who loves their pets that much. And you're not alone in the sadness you feel. Because there's only one thing worse than being sad, and that's being sad and alone. And I promise you, not a single one of you is alone. And third, I, I just wanted to be more transparent and more open about some of the mental health issues I've dealt with in the past and, and still currently. That's a major part of my story with Tally is, uh, is my mental health issues. And I know that's a major part of other people's lives and their stories as well. And if me saying this can make it even 1% easier to talk about mental health issues for other people, then it was worth it. So I end this week and my little monologue here by asking you to do something for me. If you've got a pet that you love at home, go home, give them a little extra squeeze for me. And whatever your drink of choice is, raise a glass to the pets we've lost, not in sadness, but in celebration of how they've made our lives better. Here's to you, Tallahassee. <laughs>